Carrasco! Kick it! Whoa, what's the Greg Carrasco show? Get this party on the road. How fast can this right go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on the boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host, Greg. What? What? Slackers. Good morning to each and every one of those closet slackers that are listening to the Carrasco show on the way to the office this morning. It's okay. I know you love the show. I know you love me. And I love most of you back. Except two. Those two. It'll never change. <laughs> It'll never change. The list may grow to three very soon, but uh, right now there are two people out of all the people that listen to me that I do not love. They know who they are. I don't love them. Good morning, Ken. I can't that. hear you, Ken. Oh, Good morning. And I'd say that uh, if the list is only two, then I'd say we're doing pretty well. <laughs> so happy, yeah. happy Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a question for you, Ken. What happened to your head? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this this is going to be terrible radio because the listenership Whoa. can't see me. But as, as much of Ontario, I was very much looking forward to barbershops opening. It's been about mm. you know fourteen, fifteen months since I've gotten a haircut. It was getting a little bit shaggy. Things were getting a little bit rough around the edges. So. Uh, I was privileged enough to find an appointment the other day, end up going there. Uh, to add insult to injury, first th first things first, I called my barber, and this is a guy I've been going to for about the last two, two and a half years. So I have a lot of, we have a rapport, have a lot of faith in what he normally does to my head. But he says, come in at this time, I get there, and then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, there's four people in front of you, but whatever, it's, it's busy, like everybody's rushing to get a haircut. <laughs> And then he proceeds to take it down to the wood. He took it down to the wood, Greg. I know I, what I, happened. I, he forgot. <laughs> he, I, he forgot. It's, it's been too it's long. Been so long. He's like, he, he asked me, he said, how much do you want to take off the top? And I said, well, why don't we start with half? Does this look like half to you? You could have done oh, this man, with the Clippers. It's a buzz cut. It's all gone. I thought what? that you were playing, paying homage to, uh, you know, to your show with me here. To, to, yeah. <laughs> take, take it right down. Does he like you? Uh, apparently not. I don't know what happened, Greg. Like it's inexplicable. Like, and you know, what? I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt because it's been you know 15 months since he's really been actively cutting hair. But my goodness, and you know, technical producer Ben was uh, giving me some words of encouragement prior to the show, saying the difference between a good haircut and a bad haircut is about three or four weeks. So <laughs> I'm just gonna catapult myself into the future and. 
hopefully uh, this thing grows out a little bit because right now I feel like I've regressed back to second grade where I just used to get the number two buzz cuts. <laughs> you know, when, whenever somebody stars a, a sentence with what happened to your head, it's never really a good sign of a good haircut. <laughs> but, uh, you know, listen, I, 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 I kept them off. people... I sympathize with people that take it right down to the woodman. It's, it's a liberating experience. Uh, I can tell you that um, I started losing my hair really, really young. And I think, I, I think it all, I blame it on my first son. <laughs> yeah, fair. When I, get, when I get the phone call, he's like, I'm pregnant. What? <laughs> what? What do you mean? <laughs> and that, so, was, that, was it, you know, that was it, huh? Balding from there on out. That was it, man. That my hair. It was coming out in clumps, man. I was taking a shower. Like, what, what's happening? It was like a horror film. Uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, within, I don't know, I would say six months, I, I, I had some left, but you could see the shine of the skin. And, you know, I, I had a boss at the time, and I, I, I love him anyways, but, uh, you know, his name is Carmen. And he used to page through the intercom and at the dealership saying, Carrasco, you're going bold. He used to do this all the time, man. You know, talking about bullying at the workplace, that sort of stuff you never that's, get that's away with today. School. Yeah, that's like that's that's like the like late 80s, like early 90s, where <laughs> now you'd have HR right on your tail, but it used to happen all the time. Oh, dude, man, he was playing on all my insecurities. You know, I was gonna have a baby that I didn't plan. You know, my sales were all getting messed up because I was distracted. I was losing my hair. There was nothing left, and the only thing I had left was just a few hairs that I was hanging on at the top of my head. And he was making fun of it in, in front of everybody at the dealership. And you know, you could hear it. You know, <laughs> you going bald. Oh, dude, man, I, I was so sad when he would do those things, and I was embarrassed, and, you know, you have to tough it out. So I remember one Saturday morning, I said, screw this. Uh, I asked to excuse myself for a little bit. I went down to uh, the South Common Mall, <laughs> you know, right there on Air Mills Parkway in Burnham Thorpe, and there was this lady, and I said, just take it right down. So I clipped my head. I never looked back since. It was the most liberating experience of my life. You know, if you're one of those people that are hanging on to those last few hairs on the top of your head, like, stop it. We all know what's going on, man. Just own it. You know, it's the worst when people don't own what's happening. Just shave yeah, just, it. Just you know, shave go it here, off. Put some tattoos on. Turn yourself into a badass. Boom. End of story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have a new life. And you're good to go. And I'm assuming as well that at this prior dealership where all your sales were getting screwed up, it's like that that's a big deal because there wasn't anything in place like there is at Oakville Nissan or Oakville Infinity where there's the freedom promise that protects the consumer and sort of takes the guesswork out of car buying. It's like back then you were trying to grind for the sale. No, man, dude, if you I, I remember this. Um, I know this is going to sound silly because I'm not a religious person and, and uh, I'm violently non-religious. And uh, also I'm not a superstitious person, but uh, <laughs> at the time I was the top salesperson in the country. And uh, uh, I came out of a really big month, and then the following month, the first two or three days, like nothing happened, and the first week, nothing happened, and you know, you start second guessing yourself, and then the second week came around, and uh, I couldn't sell anything, and everybody was like looking at me, what the hell just happened to Carrasco? Because I was leading the entire country, there was no one that could come close to what I was doing, and this is this is before computers, so I was selling, I don't know, 30, 40 cars a month. And uh, two weeks, nothing. Three weeks, nothing. Ken, I was getting into a desperation mode. And anyone that works, has ever worked in commission that uh, has been in the spot in which you haven't sold anything for like two or three weeks, 
customers can smell it on you. It's not good. It's not you start good. to get that desperate mode, and that's the oh. and that's not good. So yeah, and and customers see it. But anyways, so again, this guy that used to page that I was going bald on, on the intercom. Uh, you know, he started. <laughs> we sat down one day and that's so he started funny. to analyze. What's that? I said, that's just so funny to me that he used to get on the intercom. I'm sure it wasn't oh, no, funny at the that, time, but it makes for a great story. <laughs> those are some of the stories from, you know, Carmen. Carmen's a funny dude, man. You know, at some point we fought for years, uh, but then we became friends again. So he's, we're all good. But anyways, so I remember sitting down with my boss at the time trying to break down what had happened. Because you can't go from the top salesperson to selling nothing the next month. It's not a normal thing. And uh, I remember that... At the end of that month, one of the biggest months I've ever had, uh, I got a new demo. And the demo was a black car. It was a, I think it was a 1999 Acura 3.0 CL, black on black. And then he looked at me and he said, Craig, I'll be damned. It's the black car. Don't drive the black car. So that day, he put me into a white car. <laughs> I know this is going to sound so ridiculous, man. but that was the day the curse was broken. Boom, the floodgates opened up again, and ever since, I haven't driven black cars. And after all this time, you still drive the white Audi convertible, like yes, white, car, white, white cars now, only. That It makes so much sense now. I, re I remember in the last broadcast, you had suggested that you will only drive white cars exclusively. Now the listeners have some context. It's because the black cars are bad luck. If you work in the automotive industry and you're driving a black car and you're going through a dry spell, switch up the color. Do it. Do, Do it. it, folks. Do it. And whether you're driving a white Audi, a white Mercedes, a white Infiniti, it doesn't matter. But you know, a white I'm Corolla? not saying this. <laughs> no, 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 no. Corolla is <laughs> off limits. So you don't want to drive that. But anyways, folks, this is uh, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco show here with my friend Ken Stapen, and we are Canada's largest automotive radio show. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the freedom promise so what we've done is that we try to take away all the anxieties of buying a vehicle so we have no commission salespeople and right now you can actually return the vehicle when you finance something that we have in stock you have up to 30 days in a thousand kilometers to say you know I've changed my mind you bring it back get something of equivalent value no questions asked when you finance something in stock new or used Nissan or Infinity boom it's, it's an amazing amazing proposition that we're putting forward and last but not least you no longer need to negotiate with professional negotiators why because if negotiating was good for the consumer they wouldn't let you do it so it's about time that you folks understand this so we give you a pre-negotiated price We've taken all the prices from the entire province of Ontario. We've looked at an average selling price of each and every one of the vehicles that we have in stock, and boom, we're giving you a margin lower than that. So you don't have to negotiate. You don't have to pay commission, and also you can exchange the vehicle if you think you've made a mistake. I don't know how much easier I can make this for you. So my whole point in, in, in my career is this, that it doesn't matter where I'm working. I want to make it unreasonable. I'm going to repeat this. I want to make it unreasonable for you to go anywhere else other than where I am at. And right now, it's Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. I have an amazing group of people there that are ready to look out for you. They are honest people. I surround myself with good people. Life is hard enough. So I don't, uh, I don't like to be around people that are not nice. 
because they have to look after my customers. So what we're going to do now is that we're going to take a small break, folks. And on the other side of the break, I want to talk to you about a few things. But mainly, I'm going to give you top 10 signs that you walked in the wrong dealership, that you need to turn around and just walk. Now, this is very, very important information. So if you're looking about buying a car, selling a car, leasing a car, you may want to stay tuned because some gold, radio gold is coming your way. Again, this is the Greg Carrasco Show brought to you by Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity. We'll be right back. Folks, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here with my friend Ken Stapen. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. And the as usual, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity, home of the no commission salespeople, you owe it to yourself to come down to Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity just to experience something a little different. You know, it is 2021 after all. Are you still paying commission? What's wrong with you? Why? Ask yourself, why? Now, most people that listen to the radio show uh, at this time in the morning, they're clearly not slackers, but uh, I'll call you slackers anyways. If you want to discuss the car industry... You can call us, 416-870-1050. Again, 416-870-1050. Now, if you're looking at buying something, if you are trying to decide what to buy, um, and you need some help making the decision, call me. The only thing that I ask is that you need to have thick skin because I don't care about your feelings. I'm not a liberal. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, let's not. Let's not, Ken. Let's not do it. So let me help you make the, the decision. You know, do you have a trade-in? Do, you know, do you want to know what it's worth? Let me help you. So the number to call is 416-870-1050, and that is the number that you'll use today until 11 a.m. to discuss anything that has to do with the car industry, and uh, except for last hour. Last hour, we opened up the phone lines to discuss the world. We want to talk about things. So we uh, the last hour is for you, uh, and the phone lines are open. Now, I want to send a big shout-out to all the, uh, all the people working in the car industry this morning that are driving to the office and trying to close deals for the month of June, that you're keeping your June open until <laughs> the middle of July. Uh, I know that this is not going to make sense to a lot of people, but uh, it is... It is a practice that is so, so annoying, folks. When you put July deals into your June financial statement, you are stressing your operations in ways that you shouldn't. It is actually a sign of bad management. You see, if, if the month ends on Wednesday, June the 30th, everything that gets delivered afterwards, it should go into July. You are Robin Peter to pay Paul. It's not a good accounting practice. And you create havoc on your sales floor. People are getting paid on vehicles that they didn't deliver. They, you are paying uh, bonuses on vehicles that are still sitting on your lot. You are creating a nightmare for CSI. You are cramming all your deliveries in one or two days. Folks, it's not a good practice. The month ends on the 30th or the 31st. Boom. Done. If it's not delivered, it doesn't get paid. Otherwise, you're always going to be playing catch-up. You spend the first 15 days trying to deliver last month deals, and then you spend the last two weeks of the month in a panic because you haven't done a single thing for your current month, and you perpetuate this sign of incompetence. It's not a good thing, folks. I needed to get that out. Something else (laughs) that I need to get out. (laughs) Listen, this is the car industry talking right now. 
hey, listen, but, you're basically just kicking the can down the road. Are you not we, we, by doing that? It's like <laughs> you think that you're fixing the problem for this month, but then inherently you're just creating a new problem for the next month. No, and, and what happens is that <laughs> then you don't get an accurate representation of your business. If you are selling all of your vehicles in the last three or four days of the month, which usually happens in the car industry because everybody goes in a panic, um, if they don't get delivered, they don't get paid. So if, you, if one day you make the, the logical decision of cutting the month when the month ends, boom, and from that point forward, you start closing every month when the month is supposed to be closed, then you're going to have a more honest approach to your financial statement. But you know, the car business is filled with games. You know, sales managers like to get paid, salespeople like to hit their bonuses, and so on and so on. Next thing you know, you have no idea when this vehicle went out. You have a pile of vehicles that are getting delivered, and the customers are not happy because they don't know which programs apply. Look at it this way, Ken. Um, believe it or not, most dealerships, most car manufacturers, they will not tell you what the next month programs are until the first of the following month, meaning if the interest rates went up or down, if the incentives went up or down, and so on and so on. We don't know. So if you went into a dealership and you got a price and this is what you bought the vehicle at and you don't pick it up that month and the programs get better, the customer is going to demand that you get better pricing on the vehicle that you're selling. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that makes sense. Well, it's just that most customers don't know how the business works from that, from the accounting perspective. But what happens if the programs get worse? Yeah, then they're going to want. La we yeah, then they want last month's price. It's it's uh, like you said, it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. The consumer is going to always want the best price, and if it's the price that was available two days ago, they're going to want that. If it's the price that was available two days later, then they're going to want that. The best way to do it is just to process the transaction like straight up, right away, to give them the deal on the spot, and then you're good to go. Uh, just while we're in conversation here, let's bring in technical producer Ben. I believe we just did have our first phone call, but somebody didn't want to stay on the line. So oh, yeah. a reminder that anybody can give us a call, 416-870-1050. If you have a question and you have a thick skin, give us a call, and uh, Greg <laughs> will be happy to answer your question. But let's bring in technical producer Ben. Ben, uh, what did the caller have to ask? Yeah, so Karen from Brampton called in and asked uh, what, or I guess wanted want to know about what you know about the towing power of the RAV4. And then okay. on top of that, if there's anything that's made by Nissan that's pretty comparable to that type of vehicle, the towing power, whatnot, I guess she she's interested in, in probably being able to tow like a small trailer type of type of thing. Well, you know, most vehicles within the segment, um, and and um, again, the the Rav4 is in the busiest segment in Canada. Uh, there are some pretty awesome competitors, and I think that the Rav4 just came out with a six-cylinder. If I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on this because I, you know, I, I do keep up with the new vehicles, but not that much. I don't like cars that much. So when you talk about the Rav4, the CRV, the Rogue, uh, the new Tucson is absolutely stunning. Um, I can't remember. I think it's um, uh, what is the name of the Kia equivalent? Uh, Ken, do you? Um, uh, the Sorrento? Is that is his? It, no. Is it the Sorrento? I can't remember. I think the Sorrento is the bigger one. But anyways, there is also a Kia equivalent. So all those vehicles are quite comparable. And most of those cars, if you are going with the four-cylinder version of them, they have 
around a 2.5 liter engine. That's what most of them will have. And most of them will have up to 2,500 pound towing capacity. Um, now, if, you, if you're towing anything less than 2,000 pounds, you're fine. You're fine. If it's a very small trailer, you don't have to worry about that. But if you're towing anything bigger than that, you should probably find yourself something with a six-cylinder. Uh, now, if you're planning to do this only for one or two or three years, maybe, don't worry about it again. But if you're looking at a long-term ownership and towing stuff on a regular basis, um, history has shown that having a bigger engine displacement will give you uh, a more reliable vehicle that will withstand the abuse for an extended period of time. So those are my thoughts. Um, Nissan Rogue. Go and look at the Rogue. The RAV4 and the Rogue are always competing. You know, in my opinion, the Rogue is, is, a, is a more attractive vehicle, but then again, looks are so subjective, and uh, I can't really tell you what to do. But uh, the advice to you is very simple. Just get out there and drive them. Um, uh, you live in Brampton, so you need to go and see my buddy Asgar at Brampton North. I'm sure that he will be more than happy to look after you. Now, if you want to come and see me in Oakville, you know, there are other things that you get when you come and see me. But, uh, you know, there is enough customers for everybody out there. Um, now, we were kind of um, doing a little bit of a checklist here that I wanted to get before I start telling people signs that uh, um, you are walking into the wrong dealership. Uh, I got a phone call from um, a good acquaintance of mine, um, somebody that uh, works at uh, Blazer for Men. Uh, he is uh, one, of the, one of the best men's stores in the country. Uh, you know, Corey's is in the East End and Blazer for Men is in the West End. It's right off of Durval there. Um, and uh, he drives a Tucson. The Tucson has about a hundred and... 50,000 kilometers, and um, he has done every service at the Hyundai dealership. And uh, apparently, a, a connecting rod in the engine just malfunctioned, and he needs a new motor. Now, he didn't have an extended warranty because he bought it before I met him. Uh, otherwise, I would have just smacked him on the side of the head and said, here, get yourself an extended warranty. Uh, that would have solved the problem. Now you have a six or $7,000 problem that you need to fix. Now, the vehicle has only 150 Ks. So a couple of things that he did right. Uh, the first one is that he serviced the vehicle at the local Hyundai store. Now, what happens is this, Ken, whenever you have a critical failure on a product that is out of warranty, um, you, you are part of an elite group of customers that dealerships have the latitude to look after you if you have done everything right. So you may not have an extended warranty, but you have been there every single 6,000 kilometers or six months and get in the vehicle service, time in and time out. You never failed. You've done everything right. Um, you may request. I'm not saying that it's going to be guaranteed, but you may request for the dealership to show you some goodwill. And on that basis, you may qualify to get some sort of... Um, monies, uh, perhaps the parts, perhaps a, a lower um, you know, labor cost that will help you alleviate the pain of having to replace a short block of a motor. But that only applies to those customers who never stray from the local store. And I cannot explain to you folks how important this is. Because people usually use new car dealerships whenever something goes wrong. And if you only show up at the store when you need warranty work and you don't do anything else in there, you don't qualify for goodwill. I will make sure that you don't get goodwill.
But there are some awesome customers that are always there. And they, through no fault of their own, something malfunctions. And those are the people that get all the latitude as a loyal customer of the dealerships. And I, don't, I, I, I couldn't possibly find a single general manager, VP, or dealer principal that will deny the, the right of a perfect customer to get some goodwill from the dealership. Now, saying that, if you have received folks a recall or campaign letter in the mail, okay? If you have received a recall or campaign letter in the mail, and because of COVID, a lot of people haven't done service in the vehicle, which is a mistake. But anyways, let's just take it for what it is. And you have not taken the vehicle to the dealership in three, four, five, six months because you felt that you haven't driven enough, and something malfunctions. After you receive that letter of recall, you may be forfeiting your right to claim that recall or campaign. So it is very important, folks, that you go and check your mail, make sure that if you do have a recall or campaign, open campaign on your car that it gets done. Because if it doesn't get done, you could suffer the very side effects that recall or campaign is trying to avoid. And if you don't do it, then you're on your own. I'm sorry. You are on your own. Hey, listen, no. this is also a reason why you should just be bringing the car into the dealership on a consistent basis. Because let's say for some reason you miss the recall notice and you don't get the letter in the mail. If you're bringing your car in consistently to the dealership, you know, whether it's to get your tires changed, whether it's to do an oil change, regardless, just regular maintenance, and there has been a recall on the vehicle, like, correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, but the dealership will bring that to your attention and then they can address that need right away rather than it being a situation where you, know, you might be unaware of it or you know, the time passes and then all of a sudden you are actually playing yourself out of getting that part replaced uh, by the expense of the manufacturer. Look, I mean, dealership relationships are reciprocal. If you are, have a, a strong relationship with your dealer, especially with a selling dealer, expect the same in return. You, you have to expect the same thing in return. Um, now, if you develop a relationship with your service advisor, even better. Uh, you know, at our stores, we have service advisors that have been there for years and years and years and years. So these people become our friends. We, we know the customers. So guess what? When you are in a relationship with a customer for six, seven, eight years, you are far more willing to work on that relationship and not let it go sideways, or at least if you cannot help and you're going to exhaust every single possibility to make sure that your customer is happy. Now, sometimes we can't because you're too far gone or it's too far out of the warranty, and it does happen from time to time, but it's crucial that you develop a relationship with your selling dealer, and again, I couldn't possibly find another general manager that would disagree with that statement. Uh, and last but not least, um, it has been coming to my attention, Ken, for the last few weeks that uh, a bunch of extended warranty companies, when you take the vehicle to a different dealership that didn't sell you that warranty, that the warranties are not getting honored. And this is a big problem for me. And I'll tell you why this is a big problem. Because when somebody comes to a dealership and you sell them an extended warranty, and which is coming from a very good place, and only smart people 
buy extended warranties. I can tell you this. They have a common denominator. They're smart people that buy extended warranties. The other ones are just gamblers. They like to gamble themselves. You know, I'll take my chances. Okay, whatever. And then they get upset when something goes wrong and on a vehicle that has 25 to 30,000 moving parts and, you know, six years down the line. Oh, you know, this car is no good. Okay. What do you expect? <laughs> you know, it's, there are so many factors <laughs> that come well, into well, place. Well, obviously, they expect everything just to work perfectly the whole time. Listen, we talk about this all the time. The smart people buy the insurance prior to anything bad happening because then they're covered. It's like everybody else just assumes the best and, you know, they hope for the best. But rather than playing for the worst, they just kind of stick their head in the sand. And then when <clears> the big repair comes along, it's like, oh, my God, how did this happen? You know, my transmission's fried, and now I need to pay, you know, $4,000 to replace it. Like, and, but in retrospect, they probably aren't servicing the car, like, as, as frequently as they need to. They aren't following the de- scheduled maintenance from the dealership, and they didn't have the foresight to buy the extended warranty to protect themselves from these big repairs that are coming down the road to save a little bit of money on a month-to-month basis. So uh, if you want to make the smart decisions, you know, save yourself a massive repair bill coming down the road, the decision's easy. Just buy an extended warranty and you should be good to go. I, I don't know any situation in which getting an extended warranty is a bad idea, except I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some caveats here, and this is the reason why I wanted to bring this up. Um, there are some dealerships that have self-administered warranties, and those are the kiss of death. Uh, let me explain to you folks. If, if the dealership that's selling you the extended warranty is the actual guarantor of that extended warranty and you happen for whatever reason you move houses you change jobs you change cities you will be sol and i i cannot emphasize enough that the best route for you to take whenever you're buying an extended warranty is the warranty that belongs to that brand so if you buy a Toyota, get a Toyota warranty. If you buy a Honda, get a Honda warranty. This is very simple now. There are some very reputable extended warrant companies. So there, there is a, uh, an extended warrant company that, that, that we do sell because from time to time we sell used cars and we need to have something that, um, that, that would be reliable, that you can use anywhere else, and that the warranty is recognized. Because if your warranty is not recognized, it's like I've said this before in it always cracks me up. It's like winking at a girl with the lights off. <laughs> you know what you're doing. <laughs> Nobody else does. So if your warranty is not <laughs> honored by the dealership that you happen to be close to, then you literally just wasted your money. Uh, so I think that, um, you know, Starting next week on my website, if you go to gregcarrasco.com, I have businesses that I associate myself with because I can put a stamp of approval of the Carrasco Show and Slacker Nation. And I'm going to start posting the extended warranty companies that I would buy. If you don't see it there, don't buy. We have a phone call here? Uh, Yes, we do. Uh, I believe it's a friend of yours. Todd is on the line. I, I have no friends. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's a slacker for sure then. Uh, Todd, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Todd, you're handsome. What's going on? I, I like that analogy, winking in the dark. So I figured out what I've been doing wrong the last four years just in that one moment. So thank you for that. <laughs> you know what you're doing. Nobody else does, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You know, I... Um, I have to say that uh, the last quarter was a tough quarter for us. Um, for During the entire pandemic... 
the the Q2 of um, or Q1, if you're looking at uh, you know fiscal year, not calendar year, uh, was the absolute toughest quarter that we have had, and a lot of it has to do with uh, you know consumer reluctance. Uh, you know, people are just distracted. People want to get out. They want to do other things, and uh, now it, it was a rough quarter. Have you uh, received the industry numbers yet, Todd? No, not to, to that degree, but I'm absolutely hearing the same thing. And I think a lot of it has to do with the psychology of people where uh, I think people are just fed up. They want things to open up and um, they're they're hanging on for, you know, that sunny day that we're being told is coming in the next few weeks, right? And, um, you know, I'm not certainly calling in this morning to rant. I know that the Premier listens to your show, but, uh, man, we are way, way behind uh, other provinces and other countries in terms of, of opening up. And, um, you know, I think you're starting to see people uh, react to that with their spending habits. They're waiting now. Um, yeah, they and, are waiting. Uh, and you, I... you hear the BC's opened up, Alberta's opened up. I had a friend of mine, she's a doctor. She traveled to Portugal for the Olympic trials, and she's like, you know what, we're the only only uh, province and only country that's operating like this. So uh, I think that's I think honestly think the psychology of it has a lot to do with it. But uh, no, I don't have data to support it. But definitely hearing what you're hearing from from other business owners for sure. Uh, I I know the premier listens to the show, so you know Doug, if you're listening to the show, call us. Uh, we want to talk to you. I want to know when. I need some timelines, baby. When is this opening up? Enough is enough. Basta. <laughs> well, you know, you and I, you and I chatted a couple of weeks ago when you told me what what, what you saw in Oakville, which is, you know, let's face it, it's one of the most affluent communities in our province, mm-hmm. um, where you've got stores that are closing permanently. Um, you know, these are not these are not uh, you know scars that are going to heal here. These these are permanent, right? Um, and um, you know, with less than two hundred cases in the entire province, I mean, you know, these are things where I think rational people now are struggling. Uh, our vaccination rate can't be any higher. Uh, our uh, ICU uh, numbers can't be any lower. So, anyways, I'm not a proponent of the medical community. I'm just saying that I think that has a lot to do with what you're seeing in, in, uh, on the business side of it now. Well, I think that the repercussions were bound to happen. And, and I mean, look, uh, in, it, because I'm so involved with fitness and martial arts, this is just devastated the yeah. you know the the fitness and martial arts community across the province and uh, you know if you if you want to piss somebody off you don't want to do that to a brazilian jiu jitsu black belt <laughs> you don't want to have those guys upset walking around the streets but uh, i i can tell you that i think the time has come for us to just you know settle down and open things up we we, we need to be free again and something is happening. I don't know. Exa- this is beyond my level of understanding. And I'm just a dumb car guy. And uh, I don't have a lot of concepts of what's going on outside of the realm of the car industry. But um, a lot of things these days are not making sense to me, Todd. Am I alone in this? No. And I, you know what? And here's, here's how I can rationalize what you just said. is that My 17-year-old daughter made a decision to leave the province to go to university in September because she doesn't trust the fact that she's going to be able to go to school in person in Ontario because they've gone back and forth so many times. So she literally picked her university of choice to go out east because they're promising in-person teaching and that they create their own bubble if something happens in the Atlantic provinces. So she literally has made that decision. So, no, I don't think you're crazy. I think we're seeing it now uh, in all different aspects. And it's uh, it's certainly not uh, specific to our industry. It's, 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 It's being affected everywhere, right? So I think that it's a, it's a bizarre you know, time. I mean, can, it is can, a bizarre uh, time, and I'm going to share something with I. you that 
I'll share something with you that may sound trivial. And yeah. I apologize beforehand for sounding trivial this morning on this important show. But, uh, you know, as you know, I have a very, very intelligent 16-year-old boy that, uh, you know, that is working really hard on his education. But, you know, I remember when I was, you know, he's turning 16 now, he's 15. I remember when I was 15, uh, there, were, there were girls in my world. And now they have been trapped at home for over a year. There is no social interaction with the opposite sex. You know, these people are, are, are forgetting how to speak to each other. So right now, if they want to have female friends, there, there are none. So where did you go and find these people? And I think that the social repercussions of what has taken place over the last year and a half are going to be felt for a very, very, very long time. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Todd? I couldn't agree more. I'm certainly not uh, a medical expert, but I read like you read, and I'm seeing more and more uh, in the news about mental health in that age group and uh, in young people. And, uh, and, and I, I got to witness it. Literally, a young person made a decision on her schooling because she said the exact same thing that your son said. I'm tired. I've been at home for a year and a half. Um, I can't see my friends, and um, I need to go to school. And here's the anxiety. This is the crazy part. Her anxiety right now is having to write an exam in person because she hasn't written an exam in person in over two years and now has to go to universities. That's, that's, her, that's her anxiety going to school. So I think you're right. I think we can't underestimate the impact this has had on people's mental health and no matter what age you are at. But uh, anyways, I didn't call in this morning to say it's time to open up, but I think you have Don Romano on today, do you not? I do, yeah. He's, uh, he's coming on the other side of the show. Don Romano is a very good friend of mine, and he's the president of Hyundai Canada and Genesis Canada. Yep. And uh, like we guy. are going to be discussing... Yeah, uh, yeah, same here, man. I, I love the guy, and I, I had the opportunity to work with him, so to be in the trenches with Don Romano, you know, you don't want to... I mean, there aren't very many guys that are better than him at, at what he does, but uh, uh, I wanted him to come down and discuss the absolute most ridiculous thing that I've heard coming out of uh, Justin Trudeau's mouth. Honestly, we need to vote that guy out. He needs to get out. Um, he announced that we're, we're going to shut down the internal combustion industry in Canada by 2035. Is he crazy? Yeah, I can't wait for you to have Don on. So please do two things. Ask him if we're, uh, if, uh, with less than 200 cases in the province, if, if we should be in a shutdown mode because I want to hear him go off on that. And then, yes, ask him where his brand is at uh, in, uh, what are we now, 14 years from now that they'll never be producing another internal combustion engine. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that segment with, with Don for sure. He's, he's the right guy to be asking those questions. Too. Well, listen, I, uh, whenever there is something, an, an intense topic like that, uh, he is a very well-spoken, outspoken, outspoken um, eloquent speaker. And uh, I want to have him on the show because, I, you know, often we forget that people that are running these, you know, manufacturers, like my friend Steve Millet from Nissan Canada or Steve Ryan from Infinity Canada, as well as Don Romano, they're just regular humans like you and I. And they go through the same trials and tribulations and, and, and they get vexed just like you and I do. So yeah. when you have the head of an organization that is uh, covers the entire country, it's important to listen to these folks because they do have a different understanding of what's happening on, on, on the car industry. But, uh, you know, uh, what do you think is going to happen for the rest of the year in the car industry, Todd? Well, I think last time you and I spoke, I told you that um, we, we definitely have seen some data, and I'm sure Don can speak to this as well, that the, the economists are talking about um, pent-up savings 
pent-up demand is one word, but certainly one analogy, but pent-up saving is another. People have been saving money during this pandemic. They haven't been spending the same. They haven't been traveling the same because they haven't had the same outlets to spend it at. So there is definitely uh, money in a lot of people's cases, not in everyone's. And I know a lot, so there's been a lot of hardship for people, but certainly in some people's cases, um, that they're still saying we're going to have a very, very strong uh, back end of the year. And uh, if inventory can become uh, less of an issue, which, as you and I both know, for some brands right now, inventory is a real challenge with the chip issue um, Mm -hmm. that exists, um, then I still think we're going to have a very strong end to the year. I think people can't wait to get back to normal and they can't wait to get back to uh, regular life. And um, part of that includes uh, purchasing and driving more. So uh, when you see stage three opening up, I think that you'll see, um, quite frankly, you're going to see some of that spending take place. So. Uh, I'm still looking forward to a strong end, and I'm only basing that on what I hear from experts, not certainly my, uh, you know, my my armchair. Uh, you know, I, I, so I want you to stay tuned with me. We're going to take a very small break, Todd, because I want to ask you something about an announcement that the UCDI made yesterday about the used car prices going up. So please don't go anywhere. Folks, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show here with my friend Ken Stapen. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show, whether you like it or not. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, home of the No Commission salespeople. We'll be right back after the break. 416-870-1050 is the number. The lines are open. This is live. This is your show. So if you have any questions about buying cars, selling cars, leasing cars, anything that has to do with the car industry, you can call us. Or you can call about something else. I'll still talk to you. I may hang up on you, but I'll still talk to you. This show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and we are the home of the no commission salespeople, so you owe it to yourself to make it down there. It is 2021. You shouldn't be paying commission. Don't do it. Uh, with us on air, we have, you know, he's such a normal dude that, you know, I forget sometimes how important Todd is. Uh, I don't want to make his head grow any bigger, but, uh, you know, Todd Burgon is the executive director of the Trillium Auto Dealers Association. Is that the biggest new car dealer association in the country, Todd? Yeah, it is actually, size-wise, but, um, you know, we're, we're a humble group. We just put our nose down and do our jobs, just like you do. Well, we, we, we certainly try, but I had a question for you. The um, I heard on the radio yesterday that the UCDA uh, mentioned that used car prices are going up indefinitely. Have you heard anything about this? Well, I think that we've been hearing that for a while, and I think it doesn't matter if it's cars or what it is, is that prices on everything are going up because of supply and demand, right? Um, and so you're in the industry. You can speak to it. Like, how hard is it to get good used inventory right now? Uh, I think that and, the, the and biggest the challenge that we have, Todd, sorry, the biggest challenge that we have is that, uh, you know, as Ken was mentioning just a couple of seconds ago during the break, uh, can you share that with us, uh, what you heard? Yes, that uh, actually what's going on with the U.S. market and the shortage of used cars in the United States is actually having an effect on the Canadian market because United States buyers are buying Canadian cars at an alarming rate, which inherently is then driving up the price and cutting down on the supply of used cars here north of the border in Canada. Bingo. Have you heard about that, Todd? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it all makes perfect sense. You've got you know, not as strong U.S. dollar as it was a year ago, but it's still a strong U.S. dollar, right? So mm-hmm. buying our cars and bringing them across the border uh, is still a relatively inexpensive venture for uh, American dealers and also American consumers. So I've been hearing that for a while. And uh, in dealers, uh, in some cases, would take trade-ins and automatically, you know, put them on the auction block for the U.S. and not even have them sit on their lot. 
Um, but a lot of them now, as you know, um, and you're hearing this too, they regret that because now uh, they sense inventory um, that they could quote unquote repurpose uh, across the border that they'll never see again. It's very so. short-sighted, short-sighted thinking, folks. You know, the truth is that you cannot compare wholesale with retail with a retail customer that you're going to be able to keep with you for the next three, four, five, six years. It doesn't make sense. But uh, you know, we we don't even go to the auction anymore, uh, Todd, because the prices of the auctions are higher than retail. Like we, we, we're not going to pay retail for used cars and then come back and sell them for over retail. So the uh, people from the U.S. are coming here and they're wrecking the Canadian used car market. And uh, I, I said to, this to my listeners months ago, don't wait because the, the year is not going to get any easier on new and used car prices. The shortage of vehicles is an actual real problem and people are not listening right now, are they? No. And, and the other thing, too, is that, that you know, they, I think that some consumers might just assume that it's the dealership or the manufacturer that's just making an extra buck out of the pandemic, which is uh, completely untrue. I mean, the reality is, is that there's been shortages on so many aspects of the build of the new cars, whether it's been uh, aluminum or steel. I mean, look at all those prices that have gone up and the tariffs that have put on some of those uh, things. I mean, there's so many factors that come into play, but um, no, I, I'm with you. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball on pricing. We would never, we, we never speak of pricing in, in the world that I plan. Um, yeah. But I can certainly tell you that uh, I don't think that we're uh, immune to what's happening with any other goods. I mean, if anyone's bought lumber to build a deck in the last uh, few months, you see what's going on there. And, you know, quietly your grocery store prices have all gone up as of, you know, the restaurant prices because it's all based on supply and demand. That's how we work, right? So that is I think what exactly- Ken's seeing and hearing is 100% accurate. That is exactly the way every single industry works. And folks, with you was Todd Bourgon, the executive director of the Trillium Auto Dealers Association. Todd, you are welcome to call the show anytime. And I encourage you to listen uh, when Don Romano comes on air because that should be fun. Thank you so much for calling, Todd. Guys, have a great weekend and uh, please say hi to Don for me. (laughs) I will indeed. In your name. Auto show in February. We'll talk soon. (laughs) <laughs> we, will, we will talk soon. Anyways, uh, that hour just flew by, and we didn't even get into the um, the top ten signs that you're walking into the wrong dealership, folks. Those ten, you know, the ten things that I'm that I'm going to tell you at some point this morning are going to shift your perspective when you walk into a dealership because many of you still don't know that a lot of the stuff is tactics that were used in the 60s and 70s and you still find it to this day. Now, this is one of the reasons why I don't have a lot of friends in the car industry because uh, I, I happen to don't mind taking the lid off my industry and hopefully make a positive contribution to the evolution of the car industry in the country. And this is important to me. I want to have a spot in our industry as, an, as, an, as a person of change. And this is all that we try to do here on the Carrasco Show every single Saturday morning. Now, you know, you don't have to agree with what I'm saying, and that's the whole point. And if you disagree with what I'm saying, you can, you're welcome to call us. We are live. 416-870-1050 is the number. Again, 416-870-1050 is the number. We are live with you every single Saturday morning. Now, for the, the rest of the show, we have a couple of other things that I want to talk to you about. And the, the federal government announced 
um, I think it was yesterday, the day before yesterday, that uh, they are going to not allow the sale of internal combustion engines in Canada by the year 2035. And I want to dissect this with you folks. I want to dissect it because it's important that you start using your lateral thinking to understand what play in politics actually means. Folks, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, home of the freedom promise, no commission sales, no negotiation necessary, and you can exchange your vehicle within a month or a thousand kilometers when you finance something that we have in stock. Nobody else is doing this right now, at least not to the depth that we're doing it at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We want to make it unreasonable for you to go anywhere else before you come and see us at Oakville. Let's take a small break and we'll be right back. And we're back. This is yours truly, Greg Carrasco here with, uh, with my friend Ken Stapen. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show, and uh, I thank each and every one of you for listening to the show every single Saturday morning. The love that I get throughout the weekend is unreal. It's honestly unreal. The uh, people from all over Ontario tune into the show and just listen, us, listen to us rant on about whatever it is that we're going to talk about that specific day. And uh, they tune in every single Saturday, they, whether they go into the garage, they go into the porch, have a cup of coffee, you know, and listen to me. That's awesome. I love you guys. You're amazing. It's Saturday morning routine. It, it is a routine indeed. And um, that hour went by really fast. And I wanted to, again, thank... Uh, Todd Burgon for calling the show, the executive director of the TADA. They do so much lobbying for the uh, for the car industry here in the province of Ontario uh, that uh, a lot of it goes in the underground. You know, a lot of the stuff goes behind the scenes, and uh, he's a pretty active uh, director for the TADA. But um, if you have a question about cars, about the car industry, about the car process, the, the system of buying and selling cars, of trading vehicles in, and you are listening to the show right now, or you're looking some help with, with a decision that you're making, or you need some help with a beef that you have with a dealership, call us, 416-870-1050 is the number. Again, 416-870-1050 is the number, and we are here for you. So we have, I think his name is Heg from Oshawa. Yeah, hey from Oshawa, I believe. Hey, uh, hey okay. you're on the Greg Carrasco show. Hello. Hey, Hello. how are you? Not bad. How are you doing? Very well. You're on air. How can I make your life easier today? Uh, my, I have a 2015 Mazda 3, and my wife has a Toyota Corolla, so it's uh, 2018. <laughs> when I take hers in for an oil change, it's like 59 bucks, give or take. When yeah. I take my when I take my master three in, it's almost double. And I asked them why, and they said, "Well, it's because you have uh, synthetic oil." But I think that Corolla has synthetic oil too. And I was just wondering why the disparity in the prices. Well, uh, synthetic oil is pretty much double the price of regular or traditional oil. I think that synthetic oil is uh, overrated. To be perfectly honest with you, I think it's just an excuse for you to pay more money unless you're driving a high-performance vehicle or you put the vehicle at the track or uh, you, you have a strict need for you to put synthetic oil in your vehicle, you are literally just wasting your money. Uh, it's the same thing that happens with high-grade fuel. I mean, 
Um, I've been reading quite a bit about that over the last uh, few weeks, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to some very interesting conclusions when it comes to the different types of uh, gasoline that you can put in your car. And I think the same thing applies to your uh, to your oil changes. So the, the first thing that I would find out is that what type of oil you put in, in my car, <laughs> because it doesn't make any sense. An, an oil change on a regular vehicle should be anywhere between... $59 and $89, depending on the number of liters that you need to put into the vehicle and also how much the filter is. So I, I don't think that you should be paying that much more. How much are you paying for your oil change on the Mazda? Uh, it's around 100, I think around 115 to 120. Yeah, I I would get a <laughs> I would get a second opinion from another Mazda dealership. That sounds unusually high. Now, saying that, I don't know what other services they are performing on your vehicle. So, if you are talking about strictly traditional oil change, you are paying double than what the oil change should be. Um, but if they're doing some other things like lubricating the the vehicle, they're doing an inspection and whatnot, they're checking on on your brakes, on your tires, and all the other things that dealerships should be doing on your vehicle, then it doesn't sound unreasonable. Now, how many kilometers do you have on your Mazda? Uh, I have 170, I believe. 170 in, uh, on the Corolla? I have no idea. My my wife drives out, so I have no idea. Now, uh, is there any other Mazda store near you that you can uh, go and get a second opinion? Yeah, I took it. Actually, I took it to another Mazda store, and when I phoned them, they I booked the appointment, and then I took the car in, and they said, okay, it'll be an hour and 50 minutes, an hour and a half. I went back two hours later, and the guy says, okay, we'll, we'll be taking it in shortly. I went, uh, excuse me? He said, yeah, we're going, to have, we're going to be bringing it in shortly. I said, you told me uh, two hours ago it would be an hour and a half, so I'm past the two hours, and you haven't even taken it in yet. I said, forget it. Give me the key, and I just left. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's an unfortunate situation, uh, Hig. Uh, it does happen from time to time. You know, whenever we get a vehicle in, uh, and I've discussed this on the show before, um, uh, if you're waiting, it's, it's a different thing if you go home, I would wait for the phone call to come whenever the vehicle is ready. And I'll tell you why. Let, let's say that you come in at 8 o'clock in the morning for an oil change. And while they're doing an oil change, we discover that you have a nail on the tire. Or we discover that your brakes are done and you need a, a brake job. Then we, we have the judiciary responsibility to call you and say, you know, Mr. ABC, uh, <laughs> Mr. Brown, sure, uh, this is what's happening with your vehicle. Um, we feel that it is important that you make these changes to that specific vehicle or to that car and do the proper maintenance that needs to be done and so on. And at that point, what was supposed to be a half an hour job, which is what usually take for you to take change oil, it turns into an hour and a half to two hours, but it's impossible to predict. So, yeah, you know, it could have happened that. to you. So, you know, from time to time, dealerships will run into this situation and uh, we understand that time is very very important and this is one of the reasons why we try not to have people waiting at the dealership number one because of covid regulations but also because we simply don't know what the day is going to bring in um, you know many people come in for an oil change and we find that they need their you know their brake pads are fully worn you know what i mean so right. uh, i i think that 
in all fairness, you may not have liked what happened, but I, I would probably give that dealer a second chance and explain the first um, you know, situation that happened with you, and perhaps they're going to be able to make an allowance or maybe give you a vehicle to drive, and then you wait for the phone call until your vehicle is ready. So you know, give them a try and, and, and find out. Uh, you need to know what type of oil they're putting in your car because there is no justification for you to be paying double for the oil change on a Mazda than you are paying on a Corolla. Does that make sense? Thank you so very much for the phone call and uh, good luck with the uh, with the experience and uh, thank you for listening to the Carrasco show. We have Carl from Newmarket. Carl, how can I make your life easier today? Uh, hi, Greg. Uh, this is yeah. This is uh, I'm a first time caller. Um, That's awesome. I listen, I listen to you occasionally every Saturday. Um, I got a question to ask you about SUVs. Um, so uh, my wife and I we both own Chevy Cruises. Um, and we're eventually planning on um, upgrading to a um, SUV or a minivan. I'm just wondering what your opinion is. Uh, we're kind of looking at the Hyundai Santa Fe, but yep. is there like a brand of SUV that you would recommend? Or like it's kind of on the small, like we're kind of looking more on the smaller side, but um, yeah, just kind of curious what your opinion would be or recommendation on a SUV is. I can recommend something for you right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. The, the, the Hyundai Santa Fe, you're looking in the right spot. You know, yeah. a lot of people are going to say, Greg, why are you recommending Hyundais when you sell Nissans and Infiniti? And I can tell you the reason why. It's because there is, you know, with the exception of one brand right now, there, there aren't very many car manufacturers that make bad cars. So if you are looking at Hyundai, if you're looking at the Santa Fe, if you're looking at the new Tucson, the new Tucson is absolutely gorgeous. But, you know, within that segment, as I said to Karen earlier on in the show, we, we there are so many competitors in that segment that is, is virtually, you know, you can just feast your eyes. <laughs> and, and a lot of it has to do with looks because they are all roughly the same price. They're all roughly the same power. They're roughly the, the same features. Uh, same warranties in, in many of them. So you have many competitors within the segment that are going to be uh, a good choice. The RAV4, the CRV, the Santa Fe, the, the, uh, the Nissan Pilot, the Nissan, uh, sorry, the Honda Pilot, the Nissan Pathfinder, the new Nissan Pathfinder is coming down the pipeline, which is going to, you know, put a lot of pressure into that uh, mid to full size SUV. It's a beautiful vehicle. Have a look at it. Um, and then you have the, uh, the, the you have the Palisade, you have the Telluride, and, and so on and so on. I mean, the sky's the limit right now, Carl. And I think that you owe it to yourself to just go out into the marketplace, you know, pick the ones that you like to look at, and then go and test drive those ones. And then come uh, call the show and tell me, Greg, this is what I've driven. This is what I think. And then I can give you a better perspective because right now you're a pretty early stage, right? So, yeah, you know, I'm, do that. Get out on get out on the streets, you know, write down the names of the vehicles that you like the way they look because everything starts that way. And then once we decide that you've narrowed it down to two or three, then go to the dealers, look at the experience, look at the car, get in, get them to give you the vehicle for a day. Inject the car into your life, you know? And only then you're going to be able to get a better perspective of what the vehicle will do for you or if you're going to like it in the long term anyways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, awesome. No, that's really, yeah, we're right now we're just in the research stage, and I just yeah. wanted your opinion on it. So, 
Thank you very much. No, really that's great, it. man. I, I think that uh, there's a lot of good dealers up in Newmarket. Uh, you know, I've worked there for a very long time. It's one of the best experiences that I've ever had uh, with customers from up there. And uh, But if you want to come down and see me, you are welcome to uh, to drop by the store, and I will sit down, and I'll give you the actual slacker treatment. So <laughs> I'll give you full market analysis, and you can come down and see me, okay? Good luck, Carl, and thank you so much for the phone call. Thank you. Have a great day, Greg. You too. You know, it's, it's amazing how many people are considering SUVs uh, these days. I think inevitably the, the decline of the, uh, of the mid-size sedan is, is, is going to happen. And there's a lot of guys that are still making some really, really good cars in the mid-size segment. But the more, <laughs> the, the, the more you, you, you live, the more you realize that sometimes you just need to carry stuff. You know, look at you. You're, you're 29 and you have a van. I love it's the like, van. <laughs> Yeah, it's like everybody knocks the van until uh, you need to go pick up a piece of furniture or you need to squeeze six people in the car. But you're, you're exactly right, Greg. And when I was younger, my family basically exclusively had those sort of mid-sized sedans, whether it was you know, a Ford Taurus or it was uh, actually it was generally exclusively Fords because that was uh, what my dad always got for the company cars. But th- those days seem to be, we be, are transitioning out of that. And now you see way more people going into either crossovers, like hybrids, which are uh, sort of have a little bit more space, a little bit more capacity, or just moving into the full-size SUVs as uh, the engine technology continues to improve and they become continuously more fuel-efficient. And that seems to be where the demand is right now in those segments, which are among the biggest in Canada. They are, and unfortunately... Um, for unfortunately for the mid-sized sedan, uh, sales have continued to decline for the last 10, 15 years now to the point of almost extinction. You know, what used to be leading nameplates that were making huge impact on society. <laughs> I still remember, do you remember when, no, you were probably too young, when the, when the Ford Taurus came out, the old school Ford Taurus from the 90s. Greg, my dad drove almost exclusively Tauruses when I was Dude, younger. Dude, man. It, it was Taurus station was... wagon. <laughs> well, you, yeah, was... you make... Was you make it? fun of me for you make fun of me for driving the van. Like imagine like an early '90s Ford Taurus station wagon beige. That was uh, my first memory of driving around in a car. But hey, listen, man, they were ultra popular at that point in time. Those small like midsize sedans were what everybody was driving. And now you know, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a few. Nobody's driving them I, anymore. A few examples of that. I, I still remember when I started working with Nissan back in '92, '93. There used to be a, a vehicle called the Nissan Stanza, and the the Nissan Stanza was phased out, and the Altima came into the marketplace. And they had one of the most brilliant taglines, you know, Nissan Altima built for the human race, and it was this bubbly looking, awesome machine that it was one of my first demos in. And that was my first experience with a new car because I had never had a new car before. So, you know, I was broke, new immigrant, no English, getting selling cars, boom, new cars. Like, oh man, I made it. So I was sending pictures to my family down in Chile and they all thought that I had, you know, won the lottery somehow, but uh, it was just a demo. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that Nissan Altima, and I remember this, I mean, the Nissan Altima, the Nissan Maxima, the Toyota Camry, the, uh, the, the Mazda Millennia, the Mazda 6, the Mazda Kronos, uh, the Honda Accord, uh, all these cars 
they ruled the market and they did it all throughout the early 90s early to mid 90s until the the first iteration of SUVs started to come into the marketplace and I still remember when the Nissan I, I mean I've been with Nissan for close to 20 years and the other five were five or six were with uh, with Hyundai and Genesis but I still remember selling Nissan Pathfinder coupes they only had two doors so at the time the the Nissan Pathfinder came out the uh, the Jimmy came out the Bronco was out um, the um, the Explorer and all this SUV sport utility vehicle started to hit the mainstream and everything just changed uh, because even the van that has saved Chrysler from certain demise they started to slow down in a massive massive way and now SUVs were were the thing to drive and again we there was a lot of social pressure from an environmental standpoint because they were gas guzzlers at the time they were four by four they were consuming a tremendous amount of gas they were all six cylinders so efficiency was not something that they were going for at the no, time no not at all but we used to have a Chevy Blazer and I'll tell you that thing used to drink fuel like you take it on the oh, highway yeah. it was just like you drive you know 50 miles they got to pull over and <laughs> fill it up it was brutal but dude you know so many suvs came into the marketplace and you know maybe you remember this the the yellow nissan xterra you know that was the, that, yeah, that was the the true outdoorsman SUV, and they sold so many of them. Uh, I we love we that couldn't car. keep them in stock. It was it was phenomenal. But um, you know, as the as the industry has progressed for the last twenty or so years, and uh, we have become far more uh, willing to spend money on bigger vehicles and whatnot, and to carry things around. The the midsize family sedan is virtually disappeared let me you know just to give you an example uh, at one point uh, the Nissan Altima used to represent close to 50% of the overall sales for uh, at least at the dealerships that I was running the, the Nissan Altima was a powerhouse right now they represent less than 5% of the overall sales for the for the dealerships and for the company now saying that the Nissan Altima that we have today is probably the absolute best Altima that has ever come out of a production line for value for the money all-wheel drive there is no better vehicle within the segment the only one that you may consider that you know potentially can compete with this car is either an Accord which is huge now the Honda Accord is so much bigger than it used to be it's almost like a it's almost the size of an Avalon now it's not the Civic now is the size of the old Accord I don't know if you've seen them how much how much they've grown over the last few years can have you seen it's them? A, it's like driving a boat <laughs> honestly no, it's a, yeah, it's it's definitely grown in size. Uh, I was surprised that uh, the Corolla didn't make it into that uh, that conversation as being able to compete with the Altima. Uh, no, because the Corolla was always a smaller vehicle. I mean, there were so many small cars back in the early '90s. I mean, this is I'm I'm looking at the world through the Nissan eyes, but uh, we had the Nissan. NX. We we had the NX 1600, the NX 2000. We had uh, the Versas back in the day, and uh, we had the Yaris. We had um, the CRX. That was uh, the little Honda car that uh, people used to put 
big motors in it and then just drag those things. There were so many small vehicles. So the 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 Corolla, the Civic, the Sentra, um, the the Mazda Prestige. I don't know if you remember that the, that nameplate. The, the Mazda Prestige. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I, I don't remember that one. I, I see. See if I have it right. Look it up. The Mazda Prestige. They were. They were important name nameplates back in the early '90s, but they they stopped being cool. And then you know when when Hyundai came strong into the into the picture, and they, you know after the Pony, uh, and they developed the the Hyundai Accent and the Elantra, it, it created an, an evolution and a revolution within the segment. So people were looking at other things, um, and slowly but surely. Cars are just not being sold as aggressively as they once were. I mean, if you look at some of the car manufacturers, American imports, uh, they don't really have small cars anymore. Like Ford, I don't think they have cars anymore. Am, am I no, wrong I, with this? No, it seems like, well, everybody, it seems like that's driving a Ford is driving an F-150, it seems. Like, that just dominates the marketplace for them. Uh, I believe it was the Mazda Protégé was what you were talking Mazda, about. Mazda Protégé, yeah, yeah, yes. Rather than the Prestige. But, yeah, yes, no, Mazda, certainly. Sorry, Prestige is the company that I work for. The Mazda Protégé, that's the one. Yeah, it seems like a, especially see, like a, age, old age is hitting me hard these days. But. Yeah, mine's like a steel <laughs> trap with you, huh? Uh, uh. When, when you when you look at like those big companies, especially in the states, though, whether it's you know GM, uh, if you're looking at like Ford, like it seems like they're all just pumping out large vehicles, and that's one thing that I remember about my time living in the states was it seems like everybody was dr with in the mentality that bigger is better, so they're always trying to get that you know the bigger the biggest car that they can buy regardless of need. And you know, at the end of the day, the consumer has the decision to buy whatever it is they want. And if fuel efficiency isn't something that's important to you, that, or if you need to lug around a soccer team, then by all means, get something in the larger segment. But it's so, just a buyer's you know, mentality here, down there. Let, let me stop you for a second. You said a very interesting phrase. You know, the consumer has the right to buy whatever the hell they want. That's what you just said, correct? Yeah, yeah that's right. I want to put a pin on that thought because very soon... If the federal government have it, have it their way and their big brother uh, efforts are not going to allow you to buy whatever you want, the government is trying to force you to buy whatever they tell you. And this is a scary time in our lives. So we're going to take a small break, folks. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here. We're Canada's largest automotive radio show. And uh, the show is brought to you every single Saturday by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And we are the home of the No Commission. Salespeople, it is 2021, folks. Don't do it. Come and see us. You won't have to pay commission. Let's take a small break. The Greg Carrasco Show here with my friend Ken Stapen. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show in assorted topics. We talk about everything here. So if you have a question, suggestion, anything that has to do with the car industry, call us. 416-870-1050 is a number. 416-870-1050. If you'd like to fight with somebody, call me. I'll, I'll argue with you. I just love a good fight. We talk about anything you want to talk about. I solve the problems. You know, whenever there's a problem in the car industry and a customer has an issue, boom, call Carrasco. I'll give you solutions. I am the Optimus Prime of the car industry here in Canada. Right, Ben? <laughs> oh, boy. The, um, I think that uh, our technical producer just... I am Optimus Prime. I'm busy uh, you know, cutting, during the break, cutting like ten or 
15 different Transformers <laughs> clips here. So, you know, ben, Ben's, Ben's just saying in the studio, it's funny, uh, we, we have a Zoom call that goes on so that we can communicate during the commercial breaks, and all I hear is Ben just listening to different clips from the movie Transformers in the background. <laughs> it's too funny. The, uh, you I know, didn't, we didn't think I was coming in to watch Transformers today, but, uh, you know, here we are. You never, hey, never you never know. know Sorry, you never morning. know what to expect at the Greg Carrasco show. Well, and the, and that's the beauty. And I think that today we, uh, when Don calls, I, you know, for some reason I thought I had said nine fifteen, but I, he's calling us at ten fifteen. So Don, you're still okay. Is is my bad. Um, I want to discuss with Tom, uh, uh, with Don, the, the, the new announcements from the federal government that has a lot more implications that, uh, uh, that are being put out into the marketplace right now. So I want to save that conversation for what Don calls in. I think that uh, I need to hear his perspective. And, uh, you know, strictly from a manufacturer standpoint, I mean, you know, 15 years is not a long time to phase out internal combustion engines. And, and it's mostly because of the infrastructure. So we are going to discuss all those things with him. But as I promised to you before, um, I want to share with you um, a few signs that you have just walked into the wrong car dealership. I've been promising you that since I started the show this morning. And that we are going to dissect this. Uh, I think it's important that you know that you are armed with these weapons. And, the, and uh, again, if you work in the car industry and you want to disagree with me, you are welcome to call. 416-870-1050 is the number. So number 10. This is, you know, number 10, tough signs that should make you walk out of that dealership. Just turn around and book it. Like, be gone. Out. Number 10. If they want your credit card and driver license before they give you a price. So you go to a dealership and say, you know, I want to look at this vehicle here. And they say to you, yeah, we need your driver license and your credit card in order for us to give you a price on that car. At that point, you need to assume that you are going to start feeling the pressure because they have your credit card and your driver license hostage. And believe me, once you give that up, there are still dealerships out there, Ken, still dealerships out there that are using this pressure tactic that was used back in the 80s. The 80s and 90s is when they used to do this. Hey. So if they ask you, what's that? No, I said, hey, it's a, it's a tactic that has been used for forever in the automotive industry. But it's obviously, it's a tactic that puts the consumer at a disadvantage. And like you said, puts the pressure on the person who's in the dealership who's looking to buy a car. So it's a pretty straightforward sign if they're looking to you know, get that information from me right out of the gates that it's probably just a tactic that the dealership is trying to use to pressure you into buying a vehicle. So certainly it should be pretty high up on the list of things that the consumer is looking for when they walk into a dealership as a sign that this might not be the right dealership for you. You need to turn around and walk away because that is going to set the groundwork for you to be exposed to all school negotiation. And unless you are willing to duke it out with somebody who does that for a living. You need to turn around and just walk away. There are thousands of other dealers that are going to provide you a different experience. So there is no point in you, you know, getting some brain damage by dealing with this right at the beginning of your transaction. Number nine, this is, you know, is a precursor to the, to the number 10. If they ask you for a deposit before you even get a quote, 
this is not a good sign. I, you know, a customer called me a, a few weeks back saying that, is it normal that I went to ask for a price on a specific new vehicle at a dealership and that they asked me to give them a deposit just to let them know that I was serious before they actually gave me a quote on the price of the vehicle? And I thought, is that still done? <laughs> do guys still get Barely away with this somewhere. nonsense? <laughs> oh, they do. And I, as much information as is available out there, Ken, there are still people who feel that they don't have a choice. And that's the, that's the actual secret to everything that I talk to you uh, on the Carrasco Show here. Whenever you expose yourself to a situation that you may or may not like, you always have a choice. Pressure only exists if you allow it to happen. You can, you can only be forced into buying a vehicle if you let those people force you to buy a car. You always can say, thank you very much, but no thank you, goodbye. Get out. So you need to take control of that negotiation. You need to be able to understand that you have the purchasing power. Nobody has it. Nobody has it. You are the only one that can decide when that vehicle is bought. Number eight, if you book an appointment on a specific car, and when you show up to the dealership, the car that you're looking at is not available, and this is especially on used cars, you have just been, and this is a term that I created yesterday, you have just been carfished. <laughs> you know catfish <laughs> yeah yeah i know i know catfishing hey listen like we we laugh about it but this is a practice that a lot of dealers employ especially advertising products online of cars that are no longer available and they the end goal is to try to get the consumer to come into the dealership and then they pull the bait and switch to stick with your uh, fishing references they try to bait the consumer into coming in to look at a specific vehicle and then the vehicle isn't there. And then the idea is, is once they're already in the dealership, they could try to say, hey, this car isn't available, but how about this car? And it's, it's a practice that's unethical, but unfortunately a lot of dealers do, do it. Yeah, I think it's, it's mostly old school and for the most part is um, being eradicated because the Ontario Motor Vehicle Industry Council considered this practice highly illegal. So <laughs> most new car dealerships will stay away from doing this sort of thing and there are car some fishing is basic illegal. Uh, what's that car fishing is illegal <laughs> car, car fishing is illegal you know for the most part uh, in order for you to advertise a new vehicle on the web you need to have a specific number of these units in stock in order for you to even advertise it also you need to provide a, the, the advertiser needs to provide a VIN number and a stock number uh, from uh you know for the vehicle that you're trying to sell do we have a phone call there ken uh we certainly do let's go to sam from brampton sam you're on the greg carrasco show sam. hey greg how are you guys i'm amazing how can i make your life better this morning sam um we went to a dealership uh, uh three weeks ago we went to purchase a honda pilot and uh, we signed everything every was okay. We gave a deposit as five. Sam, you still there? Yes. I think we just. Oh yeah, he's there. Oh, sorry guys. So three weeks ago, we went to the dealer Honda. We bought a pilot, right? Yeah, you left him a deposit. 
Yeah, we left them a deposit. We told them we're going to pick it up on the 28th. And when I picked it up, uh, the same day as we left the dealer, I discovered the trim of the back door was uh, kind of broken, kind of loose. Was it a new car or used car? No, brand new car. Okay. And a few days after, I discovered the the two other things is not working. The idle stop and the... the vent seat is not working. Okay. And I made an appointment with them Monday. I'm supposed to drop it off on Monday. And what do so I what do? Is, what is your case? question, like, Sam? My question is what, why they sell the car already, like, non, they don't ex, is inspect it properly before they sell it out. That is a that is a very good question, uh, and uh, you know you you can hang hang up now and I'll and I'll answer for you. The um, look, I don't know what happened when the vehicle is. We do the pretty uh, you know pre delivery inspection. Uh, the technician <laughs> is supposed to check for all these things, but you know, you know there is. Uh, error in human ways and from time to time the dealership will miss things but you see that's the beauty about dealing with buying a new car number one and number two is that uh, you buy it from a new car dealership and you have all the warranty so this is not an issue folks if you buy a brand new car and something is going to go wrong with a brand new car it usually happens within the first 90 days because this machine hasn't been used before so there's a lot of things that have you know in theory work <laughs> but in reality we don't know yet I mean can the vehicle go 120 kilometers an hour? In theory, yes, but we don't know because the vehicle has never been driven for that. So, you know, I think that there is a lot of latitude that you need to, uh, you know, exercise on when, whenever you purchase in a new vehicle because the dealership doesn't build the vehicles. We just try to give you, we are the middleman. We we try to uh, we try to test. We try to uh, uh, check up on everything that could potentially go wrong or we look at all the uh, all the obvious issues that a vehicle could have but the reality is that there is no way for a dealership to know all of this now the main thing is that you know you drive in the vehicle take notes make sure that as soon as you take note you call your salesperson and say look this is what i found and then you book an appointment get it all done at once get yourself a, a loaner go home wait for the phone call don't sit around waiting for you know, for you looking at the tech for them to fix the car like our other caller did in in uh, in oshawa and uh, i don't think that you are going to have a problem uh and the, the main reason why i say this is because honda is quite possibly one of the best car brands on the planet so don't just don't they will fix it the vehicle will work for years and years and years and years the pilot is a powerhouse and that car will last you for half a million kilometers so don't sweat it just go back get it done and move on don't drown in a glass of water would you agree with that ken yeah certainly uh stuff goes wrong with new cars all the time uh the real issue is if you take it back to the dealership and then you're having issues with them fixing it right out of the gate. But as you said, a very reputable company in Honda. Uh, I don't foresee that they'll have any issues, especially if the car is as new as the caller said it was and he just bought it. It's uh, basically like a foregone conclusion that you just go get it taken care of and you're good to go. It's done. There's no issue here. Nothing has happened. Just move on. Sam, you know, just move on. Uh, let's go back to what we were talking about before. We top 10 signs that you're walking into the wrong dealership and you need to walk away. So I'll, I'll, I'll recap. Number 10, if they want your credit card and driver license before they give you a price, walk away. Number 9, if they ask you for a deposit before you can even get a quote, 
Turn around, walk away. Number eight, if you book an appointment on a specific car, and when you show up, the car is not available, especially on a used car, you just got car fished, you turn around and you walk away because they're gonna try to sell you something else. Number seven, if they ask you to fill out a credit application to pull your credit before you actually buy a car. This is a scary practice, folks. This is very, very scary. This is used out west in Calgary. They do this all the time. And it's a way to give you a higher interest rate than the one that you qualify for. And I know that, you know, again, I'm, I'm sure that I'm going to get death threats after the show. But uh, <laughs> this, uh, in Calgary, this is a common practice. In the U.S., uh, the Wild West, this is a common practice. You walk in, they pull your credit, and next thing you know, you're paying a higher interest than you should. That's not the way it works. There is a big difference between doing a pre-approval for someone that has credit issues than just pulling the credit from a regular consumer that's just coming in and buying a vehicle. There's no need to do that. So you apply, you come in, you buy the vehicle, and after that you submit the credit application to the manufacturer. And if for whatever reason, if for whatever reason you get declined for credit, dealerships, we get an actual letter that says, well, you got declined for this interest rate because of X and Y and Z and, and all those other reasons. It is your right to ask for that. And if they don't have something to back up that you got turned down on the lower interest rate, guess what? I need to come up with another name for, um, you know, rate fished because uh, you got rate fished <laughs> on, the, on your... <laughs> on your bank rate and you may be paying a higher interest rate than you should that's not cool folks that is not cool you need to pay attention to these things number six if your salesperson only speaks to your spouse <laughs> to your husband or your wife and doesn't address the actual team of people that are there you may be exposed to something that is not particularly kosher. I mean, in, 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 in a world in which sensitivities and equalities is something that we're looking at on a regular basis, and um, you know, you go in with your husband or you go in with your wife and somebody only talks to your husband or they only talk to your wife and they don't talk to you, uh, it's not a good situation. You know, you shouldn't single anybody out within the transaction unless you're strictly speaking to the buyer. So if, if you have a, two people coming in and you ask, who's buying the vehicle, and then you address the buyer, um, I think that there you have a bit of a, a, a mulligan in that exchange. But for the most part, you know, do not, if you're a salesperson, address the team, address the couple, address the family. Don't speak to only one person. That's not a good sales practice. Now, before we get into the top five signs that you're walking into the wrong dealership, we're going to take a small break. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And this is the Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show here with my friend Ken Stapen. And we're here live every Saturday morning. And now if you want to listen to the show on your own time without listening to commercials and any breaks, nothing, you can just go to Apple Podcasts and click subscribe and the show will get to your phone every single week on your own time. You can listen to us. You're probably walking the dog right now as you're listening to me. It's amazing. Let's take a small break. I am the Optimus Prime of the car industry. Right, Ben? Let's see. Not, not again. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> 
I am Optimus Prime. Uh, maybe Ryan will disagree that I'm the Optimus Prime of the car industry. Ryan, from Richmond Hill, how can I make your life easier this morning? Optimus Prime and Greg, thanks for taking my call. I, no problem. Uh, just recently I bought a car. am Optimus Prime. <laughs> I recently bought a car in June, and I just wanted some feedback um, in regards to uh, any best practices or tips and tricks when you have a car that you want to trade in. Um, and I felt that uh, the dealership maybe took advantage of me um, and wanted to just hear your thoughts and what's the best way to um, trade in my used car for a brand new car. Okay, so uh, first and foremost, what did you trade in? It was a 2015 um, Kia Soul. Okay, now why do you feel that the dealership took advantage of you? Well, I felt that they were trying to figure out the value of the car um, first. And when I was looking online for the value of the car, there was a big gap between what the dealership offered me and, and what I saw online on AutoTrader and other uh, trade-in car websites. Okay, so uh, do, did you feel that uh, you should have been given what you saw on the website, like uh, what you saw on Trader? Well, I know that there there normally is a gap between it, um, just selling privately and through the dealership. But um, when I, I went to two dealerships and both of them had a very large gap between what each dealership was offering me. So I just didn't understand why one dealership would offer a low amount and another one $3,000 more. So just trying to get an understanding why there's such a big gap between dealerships to dealerships in the same brand company. You know, this is a very interesting, and I'm I'm trying to log into my uh, to my V Auto account, and I don't know why I can't log in here. Um, let me see if I can if I can find it for you. Um, I without having the details for you, um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, uh, to give you an honest assessment of the reason why there is such a big discrepancy because the reality is this that the value of a used vehicle is the same across the board you know just because you go from dealer a to dealer b that doesn't make your car be worth any more money <laughs> you, you know what i'm saying yes. so you know and and this is this is something that uh, we try to do very well at our store because what, what we provide with the cons to the consumer is a market analysis of the value of a trade-in so we, we we have systems now that you can literally just punch in the coordinates of your car. And by that, I mean your VIN number, the year, the model, the option code, the color, the kilometers. And the, the system will tell me what your car is worth. It will tell me how many there are within a designated you know, market area. It will tell me what the, the medium asking price, the medium selling price, and so on and so on and so on. So now... A lot of people base their car buying decision on the amount of money they get on the trade. And that is a mistake, and I'll tell you why. Because a dealership may be showing you more money for a trade, but they're not giving you a discount on the new car. And when you look at the overall transaction, the only thing that matters really is the bottom line and what you're paying for the overall transaction is not what the value of your trade is. So think about this for a second. If a car is worth $10,000, and that's what the market says the vehicle is worth, why would a dealership give you 13? Because that's what you're talking about. Now, you're, you know, I, I don't, I can't even open my system. Okay. Uh, you have a Kia Soul. It's 2015. Uh, how many kilometers did you have? 121,000. Did they give you $6,000 for it? I got seven. 
Look, that's a pretty accurate number out of the top of my head. So you got seven for the trade. So, you know, I, in my opinion, that vehicle with 120,000 kilometers is probably an 89 to $9,900 retail piece. So if the dealership gave you $7,000, they're going to spend, you know, 1000 to $1,500 in reconditioning the vehicle. So they have to do all the stuff that needs to be done in order for the vehicle to be certified. So now the cost went from seven to 8500 Then they have to clean it up. They have to advertise it. That's going to cost them another $500. So now the cost on that car is $9,000. And they're asking for it. $9,900. So they, they're giving themselves the opportunity to make $900 on your car. Do you think that that was unfair? Well, I, it, they started at 4500 and I had to negotiate up to 77000 right? So that's, that's where, that's the, the question that I have is, you know, other, other car buyers that are going in, they get offered a price from a dealership for their used car, and I just got $3,000 more, but, uh, you know, a lot of people in my position would go in and be offered 45 and assume that that's the correct one. Right. So just trying to figure out, you know, if that was something the dealership knew, um, that they were offering lowballing me or. Yes. And, uh, you know, what you're, what you're talking about right now is something very astute, man. And I really appreciate that you make the phone call. You see, imagine if you were not a good negotiator. Right. And that's the problem with negotiation. You see, you rely on the fact that you the, the, the dealership is a better negotiator than you are. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't fight for your trade value, you were in the taking the risk of paying three thousand dollars more for the transaction when you didn't have to. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? The problem is this is that a lot of people think that negotiating is a good thing. And it's not. And I've said this many times on the show before. If negotiating was good for the consumer, dealers wouldn't let you do it. <laughs> because we rely, I mean, not myself, because we don't negotiate at my stores anymore. Because I'm better than you. I have all the information. I know what your car is worth. I know what the cost of my new car is. I know all the facts that should make all the, the composition of a new or a used car transaction. So you are going with without all the information that I have. So right. on that basis alone is when the problems begin. Now, the best thing for you to do uh, and for anyone that's looking at trading in a vehicle is go to a dealership that will give you a market analysis. You know, we, we provide this service at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity for free. So we give you what the vehicle is worth and we're prepared to buy for the price that the vehicle is worth, whether you buy a vehicle from us or not. So in, in, when, whenever you get in a trade-in value from a dealership, and I've said this before, and again, a lot of the stuff that we do here and can, you know, can corroborate what I'm saying is a, there's a lot of repetition here because a lot of people go through this experience for the first time you know, all the time. So we need to share this with you again. So whenever you get in a trade-in value, you ask the following question. If I didn't buy this vehicle from you, would you still be prepared to buy my trade-in for the price that you're paying for it? If they say yes, then you may be getting an accurate number. If they say no, they're playing with the trade-in value and they're placating your feelings for you to feel better just to, to do a transaction with them. Does that make sense, Ryan? Yeah, it does. So I think that ultimately $7,000 is a fair value for the vehicle Potentially, because I don't know what they did for you in the new car. You see what I'm saying? 
So they might have given you all this money for the trade-in, but then they give you nothing on the new car, and then you end up paying more anyways, just simply because you wanted to get more money for the trade. So that's the reason why I have moved away from negotiation. Negotiation is not a good thing, folks. But Ryan, I really appreciate that phone call, man. I, um, I think that you, it, it was a layup. <laughs> you know, you just... Throw me a softball here just to hit it out of the park because this is exactly what this show is all about. Folks, if you just tune in, this Optimus is Prime. <laughs> there you go. This is, uh, this is the Greg Garasco Show here. We answer all of the questions about the car industry. And uh, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And we are going to take a small break. And we'll be right back on the other side of the hour. We're going to close off on the top five signs that you're at the uh, wrong dealership. And also, we're going to talk to Don Romano, the president of Hyundai Canada and Genesis Canada, in relation to the insanity that the federal government announced uh, a couple of days ago. Let's take a small break. We'll be right back. Time is flying. Flying. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here with uh, my friend Ken Stapen. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. And, uh, you know, we're talking about all sorts of different things this morning. And uh, it's, it's been amazing how quickly two hours just flew by. But um, I do want to close off the topic that I started last uh, in the top end of the last hour um, about the, the top 10 signs that you are walking into the wrong dealership. And at around 10.15 or so, uh, my friend Don Romano is going to be joining the show to talk to us about some insanity going on out there in the marketplace. So number five. If you walk into a dealership, folks, and they don't let you test drive a car, <laughs> you know, if you want to buy this $50,000 car and they said, ah, you know, it's not the compound or it hasn't been PDI'd. Number one, it's a lie. It's not true. Number two, you are dealing with a lazy salesperson. Number three, that's the way they're treating you there. They're going to treat you for the rest of your experience. At that. So you need to turn around and walk away. When I say turn around and walk away, that is a really big sign of disrespect for your time. Now, from time to time, a salesperson would qualify a customer that they don't feel uh, has actually any buying intentions or they're just kicking tires or whatever. And again, if you're walking into a commission sales lot, they have the right to not look after you, honestly, because they get paid for selling cars. At my stores, people are on salary, so you know we'll look after you. Uh, that's all it comes down to. Now, folks, if, if you want to call the show because you have a say in the matter, call us, 416-870-1050 is the number, 416-870-1050 is the number, and don't forget the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. If you want to talk to yours truly, you need to come down and see me. I have no life. I live there. So just drop by and see me, except Tuesdays on Tuesdays. I see my therapist in the morning. Uh, I am messed up for the rest of the day. I do my laundry. <laughs> So I'm not at the store on Tuesdays. <laughs> but other than that, I am always there, and um, you can just call and you'll find me. Number four, if you request to speak to the sales manager and the manager doesn't want to speak to you, <laughs> this always cracks me up. If you request to speak to the sales manager or the general sales manager and the manager refuses to speak to you, this is the time that you push your chair back, click, you get up and you walk out. It is very important that if your questions are not being answered, 
that you have a senior person of the executive team speaking to you to address any concerns that you may have in relation to your transaction. This is a common practice, folks. That's what sales managers are there to do, to manage the sales, to manage salespeople, to manage customers and the customer's expectations. So if you ask to speak to the sales manager and they refuse to come out and speak to you, I don't know. You better say bye-bye. Something's you happening there. Something's <laughs> happening there. You don't like it. <laughs> no, if, if you ask to speak to you the manager. You got some explaining to do. You do have some explaining to do. If you ask to speak to the manager and the manager doesn't want to speak to you. It's their job to make the consumer feel comfortable. Uh, one of the ways that the consumer can feel comfortable is by speaking, speaking to somebody on the management team. So if they don't want to speak to you, then take your business elsewhere. Simple as that. Very, very simple stuff. Now, the next one is going to make me even more enemies. Are you ready for this, Ken? Hit me. If it is regular business hours, okay? When I say regular business hours, because most of these guys don't work on Saturdays. You know, I'm, I'm one of the very few nut jobs that I still hold the position that I do uh, and work on Saturdays. And the same thing with um, my buddy Joe Davis that runs Woodbine Nissan. He's a pretty stand-up guy. So he also works on Saturdays. Most general managers and, and vice president and presidents and dealer principals don't work on Saturdays. But anyways, so this is why I'm, I'm cutting them some slack and I'm saying, all right, if it's during regular business hours and you ask and request as a consumer or future consumer to speak to the general manager and the general manager refuses to speak to you, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. You know, the only purpose of a car dealership to have the doors open, the only purpose for a car dealership to pay the rent and turn the lights on is you. You are the most important person in that organization. It doesn't mean that you're always right, but it means that you're important. And if the general manager is not prepared to take a time out of his busy day from watching YouTube videos or TikTok videos of Cardi B, what is up? Then you need to turn around and walk away. You need to walk away because if the general manager doesn't feel that their presence should be given to the most important person in the entire organization, you may be dealing with the wrong dealership, and that's not something that you really want to do. Does that make yeah. sense, Ken? Hey, it makes sense, and I know that you reserve watching your TikTok videos for Tuesdays while you're doing your laundry, so there's, <laughs> not, so there's none of those shenanigans going on at the dealership. No, in all seriousness, even more so than you know, speaking just to a manager, if the GM doesn't want to speak to you, then why would you want to do business with them? The GM's priority is to put the consumer first and ultimately make, like we said, similar to the sales manager, to make the consumer feel comfortable. So if the GM doesn't want to take the time to speak to you, then you shouldn't take the time to be dealing with that dealership and simply move on. Or head over Just, to Oakville Nissan or Oakville Infinity where you know that Greg's <laughs> going to be there. He'll, he's a, yeah, I, I, we're not even joking. You basically should just have a caught in the back with the amount of time they spend there. But it's, it's, he's always, you're, like, I, could, I feel like I could speak for you. I say you're always happy to talk to the customers, like, all the time. And if, you're active if on you the floor. If you do listen to the show and you're a slacker, you come in, I'll give you a T-shirt that says that you're a slacker. So we will look hey, at don't, don't forget the coffee, though. 
if you're going to come in. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. You need yeah, to, yeah was, that's if, was, if you're uh, coming because quite, of the show, you need to, yeah, you need to bring some coffee to me. I don't give advice for free, man. That's not good. <laughs> you know, if you're good at anything, business. don't do it for free, folks. You know, my price is coffee. <laughs> uh, the number two. Uh, this is going to be a little bit esoteric, it's a little bit more complicated, but uh, I'm going to try to make it as simple as possible. If you walk into a car dealership and you start the negotiation with a salesperson, because that's what you would do everywhere else other than Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. You know, we don't negotiate anymore, we give you our best price right up front. Um, so if you start a negotiation with a salesperson and they come back with a white piece of paper Okay, that has two lines, one vertical and one horizontal line. And it's got four boxes, and each box has got a different payment and a different organization of the transaction that you're about to conduct. Um, folks, you need to listen to this. That is a technique that I will not use, I refuse to use. It's called four squaring somebody. So it's, it's a tactic that is used to squeeze as much gross profit that they can out of your inability to do math mentally and to do the calculations that come along with a four square. Uh, again, this is a very common practice in Calgary. <laughs> it's a very common practice in the U.S. Uh, I, I won't do it. I simply won't do it. Uh, if, if, there's if a, there's a lot of shade. There's a lot of shade directed towards Calgary on today's show, the automotive uh, yeah, industry Yeah, because in they, they, they're not as regulated as we are in Ontario. We all know that Ontario is the most regulated province in Canada, period. In fact, I believe that we are one of the most regulated pro uh, jurisdictions in North America, including Mexico. So the, the consumer is so protected here in Ontario that when I hear that people are doing this sort of nonsense, uh, it, it really makes the hair on my back just stand up. Uh, we um we have Lou from Toronto calling in. Uh, who do we have on the line there? Yeah, Louis Lou? from Toronto. Louis from Louis, Toronto. what's happening? Hey, good, Greg. Thanks for taking my call. I, I want to pick up. I know it's a little early on the whole government going full electrification. A few years ago, you probably remember we had that ice storm. We were I know parts of Toronto, parts of my friends were out for over a week. Now imagine yep. not having your car powered up and you're stuck with an electric vehicle that can't go anywhere. At least with a, a gas-powered engine, you have diversity. You have different alternatives. This is a very big-headed move to just go totally electrification and not have some diversity there. It's, it's ridiculous, I think, and you just need to be reminded of that fact. Like, it, it's not a security; it's a security thing more than anything else. Actually, you need diversity. I, I think that you're onto something, but I really, really want you to do this for me, Louis. I want you to stay tuned because we're going to try to dissect, dissect this with Don, and uh, I have some pretty strong opinions on this uh, because and they have a lot more to do with the way that this is going about rather than the choices that people can make. Um, but I want you to stay tuned. So I'm not going to address that. I'm going to finish the topic here. And then we're going to talk about the government nonsense that keeps coming down the pipeline. And in, 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 it's a storm. Uh, but anyways, thank you for the phone call. Now, uh, we were talking about this, this four square in thing here, Ken. Um, like I said to you before, the, if, if you are ever presented with a white piece of paper with four boxes, and if every one of the boxes has a different arrangement for what you could do with more money down, with less money for the trade, or if you put no money down with a longer term, that is something that we call four squaring. You need to be careful because you're dealing with a very, very skilled, old school tactic. And that you need to beware. Um, I, if, if you were related to me, I would say you don't know enough. Stand up, walk away.
just stand up, walk away, come down. You you determine what your the rules of engagement are on your own transaction and protect yourself that way because you don't know enough about what's going on there. No, um, man. And uh, just to build off what you were saying, like the force squaring technique is basically just a tactic where the salespeople generally just try to insult you with the offers that they're getting. They try to insult you with the the trading value. They you know put down like a monthly payment that's going to be way too high. And it gets the consumer on the defensive right away. Like as soon as they, and then all of a sudden, then the salesperson can sort of control the negotiation by then giving more appropriate numbers at the end, like when it's all said and done in the final square, your monthly payment ends up being way higher than it inherently needed to be. So yeah, the four squaring technique, an old tactic for sure, but some places still use it uh, in Calgary. So be on the watch for it, especially if you're in Western Canada. Be on the watch for it. And the number one sign that you probably walked into the wrong dealership is this is something that I, if 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 we do this at my store i would probably have a termination conversation with the person who did it um i knew that uh, some somebody was doing it at one point in my life and i made that as a i used that as a decision to not work with these folks anymore and uh, this is not a good practice folks so if you go into a dealership and you buy a vehicle and they let you go home without a bill of sale. That is not good. That is not good, folks. If you don't have a bill of sale when you go home, it's probably one of the biggest indicators that there is something that you know people didn't want you to see at the right time, and you don't have the opportunity to change your mind. Don't ever buy a vehicle and leave the store without having a bill of sale. And folks, I don't mean to scare you with this because Again, these are such big anomalies that uh, the uh, the car industry here in Ontario is is so is so awesome in relation to the progressive approach that they're taking. They're looking after customers. CSI is going through the roof. More and more dealers are taking this honest, transparent approach. So these are the exceptions to the rule. And all I'm doing for you right now is giving you the tools. I'm giving you the signs that you need to know to protect yourself and make a better, more educated decision. So, folks, we're going to do now, we're going to take a small break. And uh, my, my good friend Don Romano is going to be with us on the other side of the break. And we're going to try to dissect what the government is doing with this uh, electrification of the car industry here in Canada by the year 2035. And uh, I, I want to know your thoughts. 416-870-1050 is the number. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. And this is TSN 1050. Every Saturday morning, 10 to 11 a.m., the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We'll be right back. Every time I read about a new policy from the government, I get color in my cheeks with fury. <laughs> Folks, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here. We're Canada's largest automotive radio show. And uh, with me on air right now is a very, very good friend of mine, uh, the, the president of Hyundai Canada and Genesis Canada, Don Romano. Welcome to the Carrasco Show. How are you? Hey, Greg, I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, you know, I, um, you know, I'm doing fine. Uh, we, uh, we came out of a pretty tough quarter, uh, from the, uh, from the Nissan Infinity side of things. But, uh, you know, congratulations, man. You guys are killing it out in the marketplace. What's happening? <laughs> no, I think it's, there's a lot of issues going on out there right now. But I think one of the biggest opportunities we, uh, are able to leverage is our electric vehicles, which I know that's what we're going to, we're going to talk about. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're we're setting new records with uh, electric vehicle sales. 
So how many electric vehicles do you guys have on the lineup right now? We have, uh, we have well, pure electric, we have two right now. But the mm-hmm. hottest selling one in the market is uh, Kona EV. So everybody knows the Kona, which is the number one selling subcompact SUV in the market. And the Kona Electric is the number one selling subcompact electric vehicle in the market. Do you, do so, you guys have a waiting line for this, uh, for the Kona Electric? Are you in no, you know, back order mode? We don't. We don't. I, I, in fact, I would say supply is greater than demand right now, which is probably one of the concerns most manufacturers have with the government's announcement. Um, you know, we're still getting early adopters. We're not getting mm-hmm. mainstream buyers, and that's a concern, and that's got to change. So how do you think that the government can change this? Because, you know, look, um, right now, it doesn't matter how much we preach this whole notion of uh, freeing the country from internal combustion vehicles. We literally don't have the infrastructure to support even even coming close to having, uh, you know, a system in which there are no more gas cars. Um, what do you think the government can be doing right now. Do you think that this is even a feasible idea? Right. I mean, I think they're just following California. That's never a good idea. But I think directionally, they're going in the right direction. I think we all need to move in this direction. Uh, The problem is, uh, it's easy to make a statement. It's hard to put an infrastructure together to support that directive. And right now, when you consider we have over 12,000 gas stations across the country to support the current uh, mobility infrastructure of Canada. Um, we don't have anything close in uh, DC fast chargers, which is what we're going to need. We're going to need the kind of chargers that will give you enough charge in 15 minutes for you to you know, do whatever you need to do with your vehicle. And we're just not even close to that. And I don't see any action plan to get us there. And in fact, most of the chargers out there require you to sign up or that, you know, it could be a Tesla that uses a whole different system. There's mm-hmm. problems that have to be addressed by the government. And, you know, once I see those problems being addressed, once I see a plan for an infrastructure that will support the over 3 million people that live in apartments and condos and don't have access to charging, or even those of us that have chargers at home and you take a drive, but let's say you get low and you need to know where to go. I don't want to sit down, pull off the side of the road, try to look it up, figure out if I'm signed up, and then go over there and see if it fits my car. That's ridiculous, and we need to address that. We need to have a standardized, robust charging infrastructure across the country, and then, yeah, we're on board. You know, you just brought up a very, very interesting point, Don, and I thank you for this. When you have 3,000 people that live in a condominium building with 3,000 cars in the parking lot who don't have the charging stations, what are they going to do with this? Yeah, we we simply don't have any way to back this up. Now, when, whenever you have politicians making uh, bombastic announcements like the one that, that was made, uh, it is the cynical side of Greg says, ah... This is just a political announcement. Trudeau's going to be far gone by 2035. So he's never going to be, he's never going to have to deliver on a promise that was never going to be fulfilled in the first place. Do you think that this is more of a political move than an environmental move? Well, I think all all announcements by the government are political moves. So, um, you know, and and I'm not saying that's all bad. I I think it's a vision. It's a you know, a direction that we as a country need to go in. And there's still a lot of car companies that have yet to introduce their 
their first pure all EV. Um, you happen to work for one that has a pure EV. Uh, I do too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but there's quite a few out there that have yet to put one on the road. And I think that's an embarrassment as well. So I think they need to get a little tough and set big, bold uh, visions. But <laughs> what they're lacking is the infrastructure to support that vision. I'm not just a person that wants to see, show me the plan. Show me how we're going to get there. Tell every gas station across the country that they have to put a DC charger in, DC fast charger, and now you're going to start making me a believer. Um, you know, we're, we're set to move electric. We're going to be introducing the Ionic 5 in about two months, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, small, a bigger SUV than the, the Kona EV, but all electric. Then we're going to be coming out with electrified, you know, Genesis models, and uh, the the list just keeps going bigger and bigger for Hyundai and Genesis. So uh, it's a direction we were already headed in. But again, I think a lot of companies are moving in this direction. But <laughs> we're going to be end up we're going to build a lot of cars that people aren't going to buy unless we see the infrastructure go faster. And even today, we have more cars than demand. And if we're going to improve demand, we have to have a very simple, easy, accessible infrastructure. You know, I uh, a question that I have for you, and it's something that I keep hearing coming from the you know from some of my competitors that there is a new resurgence of hybrid technology and demands for hybrid vehicles. Are you seeing that from the Hyundai side of the world? Enormous, enormous, and and um, I think that's great. You know, but remember that's the transition. Uh, so I I don't see hybrids and plug-in hybrids as the answer because. Ultimately, there's still combustion engines in those vehicles that are putting out CO2. So, you know, the real answer is zero, zero emissions. And so it's great. I think hybrid, moving to hybrids for right now makes a lot of sense. It's, it's reducing emissions. It's getting people more comfortable with electrification and the technology under the hood. But not longer term, it's got to be all electric or, or bust. Um, question for you. The new Tucson is making some really big waves in the marketplace. That thing is absolutely stunning. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, it's stunning. It's making a lot of waves in the marketplace. Oh, yeah. No, I, but what I like to tell you, it's, yeah, it's been terrific. I can't get enough of them, um, which is unfortunate, but that, that shall change. I think that's an issue we are all dealing with in our industry because there are not enough microchips to go around to keep production going. I'm up in Halliburton up at the cottage right now. I drove by the Ford store every, like I do every weekend when I come up mm-hmm. here. And uh, literally not one F-150, not one. It is the, I've never seen the lot that typically has three to 400 trucks so empty. So, I mean, this is the kind of challenge that we're faced with right now when uh, the chips are down. But you know, this too is temporary, and I think everybody expected things to be down during the pandemic. As we look forward, though, I think you know there's a there's a plan to to ramp it back up. And when we ramp ours up, you're not going to see just the Tucson uh, combustion engine, but you're going to see the Tucson plug-in and the Tucson hybrid coming out in the next 60 days. Wow, that's a that's a lot of new vehicles coming down the pipeline. Can you uh, give me a little bit of an update on what's happening with Genesis? You know, how is Genesis going? And you know, in the middle of a pandemic, and uh, how has the the uh, no uh, all online system working out for Genesis um, lately? Because I haven't spoken to you in the last few weeks, and I'm curious to see how the public is responding to that. It's phenomenal. No, that's a sellout. Everything we get, people are buying it. I was listening to the show, your show earlier, 
talking about four squares and the old way of doing business. And this is the way business will be done in the future. It's completely online, completely transparent. Nobody needs to worry about you know, not understanding uh, exactly what they're buying, what they're investing in. It's all right there in front of them. And we do that with Genesis because when you buy a Genesis, you're buying from us, from the factory direct. Now, we do mm-hmm. use dealers because that service infrastructure is so important to sustaining uh, the well-being of the car and the customer and making sure that, you know, we, we have dealerships in every uh, every town across the country. And it's they're important. They serve an important role. But the sales process, as you mentioned earlier, it needs improvement. And Genesis addressed it by creating an agency agreement whereby you're buying from us, but they are delivering through the dealer. And that transparency has driven a lot of customers uh, to our to our model. And I just read on Friday um, that uh, yesterday that Audi is now going to that model throughout Europe. And I, I would expect that's going to expand because our customer satisfaction ratings are so they're not even there's no second place right now this is the way people want to buy cars i still remember when you first introduced that in, into the marketplace don and everybody thought that this was insanity i was working with you at the time and uh, when all the genesis franchises were pulled out and, and and everything went back to the factory people thought that this was insane of uh, what is happening here and look of uh, one of the things that I, I do appreciate about working with you and working with Hyundai and Genesis for all those years was the fact that you guys were never waiting for the competition to do something in order for you to be to react. You you don't lead a reactive company. It's a proactive company. You, you guys make a decision and off you go. And Genesis was certainly a, a, a different approach. And, you know, for, for all of us that are concentrated or that focus on customer satisfaction, uh, it was the perfect solution. There was one price. It came from the factory. There was no negotiation. There is a vehicle. Everything is included. You can buy everything online. The, the all the guesswork disappeared. And the fact that the I don't know who's designing your cars, but Genesis product is absolutely stunning right now. So I, I it it stands to reason that Genesis has had the reception that you guys have had in the marketplace. Are you planning to grow the Genesis infrastructure in Southern Ontario, Greg? Yeah, are you there? Yeah, sorry, I lost you there for a second. No, I was, was asking if you're planning to grow the, the Genesis infrastructure, the dealer body in Southern Ontario. No, no we have uh, 30 agents out there that are representing us, and they do a fantastic job. And that's enough. That's enough. I mean, it's across the country in every major city and most minor cities. So, no, we're, we're, we're just right. We're just going to grow the product line. We're going to electrify. Uh, we're going to move aggressively in that that direction. But, you know, regarding the process, I remember somebody else who was uh, following that same line of thought, this guy named Greg Carrasco, who uh, was breaking all the rules, in fact, was written up in many, many of the journals in our industry about breaking the rules and going out on his own. So, you know, I would say you and I, we're both reactive, but we're reactive to what customers want, as opposed <laughs> yeah. to, you know, just reacting to problems. We're reacting to opportunities. There is a big rumor out there, Don, that you and I are going to be working together soon again. So I need to, uh, I had to have you on the show to just fuel the fire. <laughs> if we don't, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sleep at night. I think this is something where, you know, you we have like minds. We believe in where the future is going in this industry. And, and we have the ability to make positive changes for our customers, man. No, nothing's better. 
Nothing is better than that. You know, I was talking to Todd Burgon from the TADA earlier on in the show, and uh, he said to me, ask Don about how you feel in relation to the province being still closed down, considering that there is under 200 cases uh, in the province of Ontario. What are your thoughts on that? uh, I don't know. You know, I think (laughs) it is. (laughs) I I think we should move faster, but I also appreciate the fact that... uh, you know, the, the government's doing its best to try to keep us safe. I don't, it wasn't long ago, you and I both remember, not that long ago, where the, the hospitals were, were just stocked full of patients that needed help. And uh, I don't want to see that happen again. I heard yesterday in Chile that 65% vaccinations, double vaccination, 65%, but the pandemic is growing. And, and that scares me when I hear something like that. And that, that's due to the Delta virus. So, you know what? I'd rather be safe than sorry. I don't know. I, I think that uh, yeah, we've come this far. Let's go a little further and just make sure everybody's safe. That's, uh, that's Ken's thought here. He says, at this point, he doesn't care. You want to close it down for another month, just do it. We've been closed for so long that you, if we need to do what we need to do to eradicate whatever is out there, why not? But uh, Don Romano, look, the show is available to you anytime. And again, congratulations and all the wins, man, because I, I see the needle. I see the TIV coming in. I see the actual growth of the company. And it makes me so happy that my friends are doing well. There is enough customers for everybody out there. And um, you guys are just knocking it out of the park. So anytime you feel like sharing something new or a product that's coming down the pipeline, by all means, feel free to call the show, and uh, we'll love to have you on again. I'd love to be there. And, Greg, outdoor dining's open now, so you and I, let's get together. We can, uh, you know, chew the fat and kind of figure out what's the next step for this industry. So let's get together. I, I look forward let's to it. Let's do that. I'll give you a call next week, and we'll, we can plan something out. Everybody, that's Don Romano, the president of Honda Canada and Genesis Canada. Don, thank you so much for calling the Carrasco Show. You're the best, Greg. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you, Don. Folks, you're listening to Canada's largest automotive radio show. This is the Greg Carrasco Show on TSN 1050, and it's brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We're going to take a small break, and if you have a say in the matter, if you have a say on what the government announced of the electrification of the car industry by 2035, call us, 416-870-1050. The lines are open. The show is for you. 416-870-1050 is the number. We'll be right back. Folks, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here. What an awesome show this morning. Thank you so much, Don Romano. You are a gentleman and a scholar, you know, uh, your your viewpoints and everything and the way you carry yourself is amazing. Uh, you know, there aren't very many leaders out there in the car industry that can uh, that can carry themselves that way. You know, I'm fortunate to work for one of them as well right now, Steve Millet, uh, you know, is amazing. Steve Ryan as well, the president of Infinity Canada, great guys. Don Romano is right up there. And, um, you know, these people are friends. We've known each other uh, for, you know, for the better part of the last two decades. And, um, it's amazing uh, the different perspective and in what he said about condominium buildings i never really thought about you know it doesn't make any sense what are you going to do when you come home with your car park you know park it wait until it dies or use your employer's electricity how is that going to work going to need a, is- a lot of extension cords it would seem <laughs> no, man, if, if you in. use a regular home outlet to charge a tesla it'll take you 3 months to get uh, a quarter of a charge yeah, <laughs> not, not, not ideal. You got to hope that, uh, like you said, your employer has uh, somewhere where you can plug it in so that uh, you're not racking up your electric bill. 
Listen, I already have somebody that works for me. You know, there was, there's a guy that works for me. His name is Randy. He gets everybody upset. So he bought himself a Tesla and uh, he, his car is like attached to the wall. It's like, it's like having a cell phone. You know, you always need a charger no matter where you are. He's getting me upset. I'm going to start sending him an electricity bill soon. You know, my buddy Triple G sends me a text here saying, virtue signaling wins elections. Trudeau has convinced the nation that hydrocarbons are the root of all evil. The wind government tried to convince Ontario citizens to switch from oil and gas to wind and solar. Citizens did not buy the deal and the initiative failed. Virtue boy Trudeau will try to convince us to switch to EVs with our own money and not connect this thinking to include charging stations in the cost estimate of 2035. No way. He just wants another term. And I really hope that Canadians grow a brain and don't re-elect this um, person. I was going to use an expletive. But I, I, I remember that I wasn't... <laughs> you remember, yeah, you remember that you're on radio. This isn't just the podcast. But remember to download the podcast if you missed any part of the episode today. You can find that at gregcarrasco.com or tsn.ca. I think our next caller has opinions on this whole EV situation. Let's go to John Johnny, from Toronto. what's going on? John, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Good morning, Greg. I, I, it's been a long time from the other place, but uh, I, I caught this by accident because I'm listening to uh, the soccer games and I got this right on the thing here. On this electricity stuff, and I buy a lot of cars, I never will buy an electric car. I don't care what the government says, what your industry tells me, I'll never buy it. And, 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 and one, cust- one caller made an excellent point, and I, I'm surprising you didn't push that to the, uh, the gentleman that you know. Uh, what happens if we have a nice storm? And this, I, I went to a nice storm, but at least I had gas in my car and I can go anywhere. With electric, with electric where do you do? Hmm. It, it was a very valid point. I mean, you know, I, I remember during the ice storm, we didn't have we didn't have electricity for a few days, and if you needed to go anywhere, you were if if all the cars were electric, you'd be you would have been stuck. That's right. I, you ever had a problem with your phone? I had a problem with my phone, and without uh, that signal thing, I am I'm done. I couldn't go anywhere. I can't do I couldn't do any business. I couldn't do anything with electric cars. And I know a lot of people. Uh, as soon as I mention electric cars, forget it. I'm not buying. Uh, and we're talking about it. I'm an older fellow. I'm in my 70s, so I you know uh, I'm still healthy. I'm still buying cars. But friends of mine who are young. They don't want to hear about it. They want to hear noise. They want to hear that something <laughs> noise. They want to hear that there is something happening there. Johnny, thank you so much for calling the show, man. When they turn the car on, they want to hear and say they, they something's hear the combustion here. Uh, they want to hear the compression ratios and the combustion engine firing it up. Um, <laughs> killing baby right. seals. We have another John on the line. Let's go to John from Niagara. John, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, John, what's Good morning, happening? Guys. Um, Good morning. I'm, <laughs> I'm just curious. I was reading an article this week about dealerships all throughout the U.S. charging a premium on vehicles from the Kia Rio to the Palisade to, you know, you name it. And I know that happens up here, and I'm kind of curious your opinion on it. What do you mean charging a fee? They're charging $10,000, $15,000, or if it's a smaller car, $4,000 over the MSR. 
they have it. Uh, yeah, that that wouldn't work very well. Um, you know, when when the new Nissan GTR, the R35, first came out, there were some dealers that were charging a delivery fee um, because they were not to be had, and the uh, the demand was so unbelievably aggressive. And in the United States, I I kid you not, John, they're running out of cars. Uh, and some dealers, you know, look, you can ask whatever you want for whatever cars. The question is, are people willing to pay for it? And the truth is that vehicles are worth what people are willing to pay for them. So if if customers want to give that kind of spread to the dealers, hey, <laughs> let them go nuts. I know that we couldn't get away with that sort of nonsense here in southern Ontario. Are you kidding me? People will shop me for 30 cents on a 96-month bi-weekly payment. Yeah. <laughs> they will so never pay five, ten thousand dollars above <laughs> list. What's that? Okay. Oh, I was just curious. I, I was pretty sure you would never do that, and I was just curious your opinion on dealers that do do that up here. That's well, all. look, I mean, dealers dealers don't make a lot of money. A lot of people think that they, they they're just oh. you know swimming in cash, and they don't. And uh, you know, I can tell you this. And the number one reason why they don't make money is because they are forced by most manufacturers to build those silly buildings that are far bigger than they ever need. You know, what people think that is the reason why dealerships must have a lot of cash, which is the facilities, is the very same reason why dealerships don't make a lot of money. The bigger the dealership, the bigger the expenses. So they, they don't make a lot. So from that perspective alone, I think that um, you know dealers will always try to find a way to make a little bit of money here and there. But I mean, you know, for some reason in the current industry, is the only industry in which the word profit Profit is a sin. You know, you're not allowed to make profit on me. Why not? You know, I build infrastructure. We service a vehicle. We, we employ people within the community. We sell you a product that you cannot get anywhere else other than here. If you want to do business with us, like they're they're allowed to make a little bit of money. But for some reason, we have found a found a way to vilify car dealerships in a way that it doesn't make sense anymore. There is a lot of good guys out there and good girls that own dealerships that are trying their best to provide good customer service to the, to the people with transparency and fairness and so on. But you will always find the bad apples that are that are changing the, the perspective for everybody. I, I happen to work with one of them for a very, very short period of time. And honestly, man, I landed there and within two or three hours I thought, oh my God, I can't believe that this is still happening. I, I, I had no idea how spoiled I have been uh, working with uh, you know with Korean and Japanese car manufacturers uh, in the way that they treat customers because you would never get away with the sort of nonsense that this uh, this companies were getting away with but uh, John thank you so much for the phone call man I really appreciate you uh, looking out um, we also have another phone call here we have uh, Tony Tony from Markham thank you for calling the Carrasco show I believe Ben's just locking him into the board right oh, now. So we'll have Tony from Markham in just a minute here. Wow, it uh, seems like... Uh, yeah, we got this, him. Oh, all right, Tony, hi, you're on the go. Greg Carrasco Show. Oh, hi, Mr. Carrasco. I'm a first-time caller. I listen to your show uh, most, whenever I can. If not, I, I try to pick up the podcast. That's awesome. Um, how can I help you and make your life better this morning? How come more car dealership owners aren't like you, like try to try to do what's best for the client. Uh, I, I want to tell you very quickly about three experiences I had. I used to uh, go Just to the pick Nissan. one because we're running out of time. So okay, pick one okay, experience. Okay. okay. I used to go to the Nissan dealer to service my Altima near my house all the time. Yeah. Every time I bring it there, just for a routine oil change, they come back at the end of the day and say, you got to do this, 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 and that, a grocery list of items. 
And when you add it all up, it comes up to several hundred dollars. And when I bring it over to my general mechanic, he looks at what the dealer told me to do. He says, no, this is not urgent. This is, you know, and, and so I walk away feeling very much like they're just trying to upsell me stuff. Well, you know, this is something that I've said before. If when you buy a brand new car, Tony, you never need to spend a dollar more than what your manufacturer um, service schedule says. So all you need to know that um, if you take that, that maintenance booklet by the manufacturer, it'll tell you exactly what you need to do that is within the guidelines. So yeah. you never need to expose yourself to the upsell. It's not something that is a thing anymore. More and more and more dealers are adopting this transparent, honest approach. I'm not the only one, Tony. There are many guys and girls out there trying to do it. It's just that I'm the loudest one. You see, uh, like Steve Jobs says, I grew up with a very healthy um, disregard for the impossible. You know, when I when I grew up in the dark, deep, dark ghettos of Santiago. Uh, you know, without parents, no one told me no. So I never really heard it. You know, when I said that I wanted to be the most known car person in the country, you know, I had no reason to not believe that I wasn't going to do it. And uh, I, I have been very fortunate that I have met some amazing people throughout my career that have allowed me to develop this this sort of, you know, moral compass when it comes to my industry that um, somehow is resonating. And look, I, I antagonize a lot of people. Because they think that this is all about Greg. No, it's not. The reality is that whenever I do something and I say something here on the show, it brings the spotlight to wherever I happen to be working. And I will change the culture of wherever I go because I do believe that the industry is going the direction of transparency. It's going the direction of fairness. And that's, this is all I want to do. So perhaps that dealership that you went to was not a good one. Uh, look at, at another one. I mean, that's the choice that we have. The choice that, thank you so much for the phone call, Tony. I really appreciate it. That's, that's the choice that the government is trying to take away from you folks. You see, look, whenever the government makes a blanket generalization of saying, you folks need to do this, and it removes the element of individual right and personal choices, is when you need to start questioning things. You know, in the Latin would say, the omnibus dubitandum is what I have written around my neck. It means question everything. You know, you, need to, you don't need to think very hard for you to understand that who owns the electrical grid in Canada? The government. Now, if the government owns every single outlet of electricity that is essentially going to mobilize the entire country, what do you think is going to happen? How are we going to replace the gas tax? How are we going to re-employ all those people that work on those plants that produce those vehicles? How are we going to replace 12,000 gas stations? You need to think. I don't think that this is possible. And even if it was, what about the element of choice? What if a customer doesn't want to drive that? Is it the greater good always more important than the individual right that we have? Is that what this is all about? It started to sound like Mao's China. And I know that there are some social aspects of what we do that are amazing. But we need to start questioning things, folks. And you know, the, the time will come. You're going to have to give your opinion with your vote. And that's how we get rid of bad ideas. You know, getting good ideas, it doesn't mean that you need to suppress something that you disagree with. The only solution for bad ideas is sunlight. 
Because sunlight, you expose those bad ideas, you fight them with better ideas in consensus, dialogue. That's how we come up with, you know, with a greater solution for our society. But, you know, before I, um, before I, I sign off, folks, I have to share some pretty sad news. And um, um, I heard about this two weeks ago, and I, I really didn't want to share it on air because I didn't want to change the energy that the show had. But uh, my, my good friend, Ken Stapen, is stepping down, stepping down from <laughs> from his <laughs> from his uh, spot as my uh, sidekick and co-host of the Carrasco Show. Um, you know, it, it's been an honor and a pleasure working with you for the last year. And I want to you to have the last few uh, few words here as to why you're stepping down from the show, so people understand uh, what's going on. No, I appreciate it, Greg, and I'll keep it uh, pretty brief. Uh, it has been an honor and a privilege to do the show with you, so thank you for the consideration. I've really enjoyed the last year. Uh, as we are all aware with uh, everything starting to open back up, that's changing uh, a lot of people's schedules. And for myself, working in the hospitality industry and working in bars, that means much uh, later hours for me, uh, especially on Fridays and Saturdays. Uh, I've been getting home very, very late, like usually around 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning on some mornings. So if I'm going to be getting home that late, it's just unfeasible to be getting up at then again at 7 a.m. to do this radio show. So unfortunately, because of the scheduling, it's not going to be feasible moving forward. But I would like to thank all the listenership who have been very supportive over the last year. Greg, I'd like to thank you. I'd like to thank our technical producer, Ben, for all the work that he puts in behind the scenes to make this show possible. And it's truly been a great time. And uh Thank you again so much for the opportunity. It's been great to uh, wake up on Saturday mornings and address Slacker Nation with you over the last year. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know, honestly, man, it's too bad that you're leaving us just when I started to like you, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know. It's always the way it goes, right? It's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a year-long grind, but we finally got into the, to the good books of Greg. No, I, 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 honestly, man, I appreciate the opportunity. So thanks again so much for... Uh, letting me be your co-host over the last year. It's been awesome. Uh, we're going we're gonna to miss you, Ken, and good luck with whatever you do, and you're welcome to come as a guest anytime on the show. Uh, folks, uh, the time has come. The time has come. You know, Autobots, where is the sound bit that we talked about? Let's it's see if we can find it. It's been with you all. Autobots, roll out. <laughs> folks, if you want to come and see me, you know where to find me at Oakville Nissan, Oakville Infinity. You know why? There's something happening there at Oakville Nissan. Dot com. Something's happening here.